Should we dive in? <laughs> yeah, let's go. Uh, so, first of all, we'll drive state. There, I cannot talk. Apparently, we'll drive straight in with the meme that is the Golden Company War Elephants. They are finally here. Look at the lovely imagery box art there on show. Um, and then the high quality image of the card as well. <laughs> so, questionable. Quite, yeah, questionable. Uh, these guys were rumored to be at seven. The back of the card has been seen and indeed they are seven. Um, seven points for a six move. Uh, three dice, oh, sorry, four dice on threes, running around. Uh, three armor, six morale. A monster. It has similarly to the uh, the free folk mammoth. Uh, the defense profile being eight wounds. Can't control objectives. Maximum two wounds from a failed panic. However, it also has this rule, which each time this would perform an action, not activation, by the way, action. It takes a morale test, and on a failure, it does nothing. This morale test is uh, circumnavigated if there's a Golden Company infantry unit within long range. Uh, more on that in a second. Um, and its attack profile, innate. Uh, it has vicious. Uh, the defender does not roll attack uh, defense dice, sorry. And it gains plus one attack dice for each of the defender's rank on the charge. Um, the... Uh, more on that infantry unit uh, moment. Uh, they are seven points, and unfortunately, they have a list building requirement, which is you only get to take one Golden Company War Elephant for every Golden Company infantry unit you have in the list. So uh, you you quite literally cannot put a Golden Company War Elephant in the list until you've taken, as it stands, Crossbowman, or as we will see in later on, Swordsman. Um, I will briefly say that the swordsman cost, just for context of talking about this, is seven points. Um, so the minimum cost of obtaining a war elephant in your list is now 14 um, for two activations. Uh, I feel that is relevant to talk about these guys. Uh, uh, Carlo, any any thoughts? Well, Ian's right, which is they were seen and then quickly forgotten. You know, mm -hmm. like... It's not, it's odd because obviously they're so not a normal unit. They're, they have similarities to the Mammoth, but like they're so not an interesting unit, like um, in terms of the way it might change the game. Um, they, yeah, like they, they, they are okay at very best. And then they have all these limitations around them. The unit's going to become a right liability if you haven't got that golden company unit near them, which means that you're like tied not only in your list building but also in your deployment to where these things are going to go. Um, I think uh, I think it's fine as a design space. It's better that they're not that everybody's not talking about them as being like, oh my god, this is game defining because it's a neutral unit. Um, and because it's um, a a monster as well, you know, we 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 know that we've had issues in the past with monster types being overperformers and completely dominating the way the game can be played. So uh, I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not sad over the fact that this is not going to make any impact on competitive play in my mind. 
Yeah, the uh, the fourteen point kind of like access. I mean, you have to spend fourteen points to get access to this. Um, and as we'll look at the swordsman in a minute, uh, you know they aren't. You know, that's not terrible. Fourteen for two activations, but at the game as it currently stands, that is neutral. That's that's neutral playing for the game, right? Uh, at seven points in activation, that means you're going to average over a 40-point list five to six activations. So this is going to have to be one of your bigger things in the list. Um, and it's not... I mean, you, again, let's just... We shouldn't do it, but we can do it, and we definitely should do it, is you look at Flayed Men in relation to this, and Flayed Men just do this job's better. Um... Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, Flayed Man, you have to give some value to no defensive dice yep, yep. Um, being used, but don't forget that's no defensive dice, not auto wounds, so so blocks still block that. Mm -hmm. um, means that Hardened uh, will, you know, affect, after the initial charge, Hardened will just entirely negate like any damage that this unit can do effectively. Um, they're not good at all it's seemingly in protracted combat um they don't even have any kind of like uh fail their panic stompy mechanic in that way that you might have expected like getting them in and getting them engaged is just the start of your opponent's problems and they're going to want to run away from them and so far no actually they're actually just quite a straightforward unit they're effectively um like lance cavalry but with a very different build which is once engaged, the unit is not achieving a lot. Um, so yeah, like I, I, I really, I don't see where they're ever gonna be worth seven points. Never mind the fourteen. Um, if we considered them very, very good, but the unit that you had to bring was average or subpar, then we can talk about whether or not the whole pairing is is, is a good trade off. But outside of thematic lists, outside of you just thinking that elephants are cool, even if you have a Golden Company unit, the elephant itself is probably not worth your next seven points. Yeah. There is maybe question, and this is this is this is I guess puts how bad this unit is in my mind into perspective. There is maybe a list build out there that neutrals want to use mm -hmm. that use it. Maybe. Yeah. But I, like. I... I was thinking actually exactly this. Um, we already see the kind of combo of cards get played a lot, and it's ultimately just good cards. But I can see planning and insight being used with the Golden Company War Elephant, so you can be like, right, my elephant's charging this infantry block. I've got four dice from the charge, uh, plus three for you being on full health, plus an extra two from planning and insight, controlling letters. Bang, here's nine dice with no saves on threes. You know, if potentially getting re-rolls, oof, that's going to be like eight wounds. And then you go, but it's not a guaranteed 12 each time. Um, and you really are hoping to put that dent in. If you if neutrals can double down and make that a 12 wound reliable charge, there is something to say that that's not terrible. But that only works against infantry for a start. So cavalry no hope um and 
let's not even go into solos. <laughs> um, this is just absolute sadness against solos. Because uh, it can't do that much damage. Certainly against the likes of giants and things. Um, again, things like... Yeah, go on. Oh, I was just because that interesting local breeze saying, like, did have you seen the model? He doesn't even like the model. I have, uh, there are some more recent pictures, mm -hmm. and from somebody who I believe has them in person. Oh, yeah. Um, their description is that they actually the models look pretty good in person. Mm -hmm. But there is, you know, like I do, I do think that they're quite interesting. Um, I think that the very original scene photos of this unit like had a really weird perspective basically where really bad pictures did not show the unit in a good light which comes back to this idea like why why is it the community that's that's spoiling new units do you know what i mean like simon yeah. could, could do so much better like it's made a lot of people think that this unit looks looks shit because because the first thing that anybody saw was somebody taking images with a really crap camera really odd perspective it almost looked like the um the the war machine base taken from the side it almost looked square like mm -hmm. uh, and uh and it looked really flat really no detail um but yeah like i do from from somebody who i think has them in person they say that they actually look pretty nice in person and you know like hopefully they're about i think they're about the right size like they, i think they'll look impressive enough on the battlefield and they they, they could be a nice focal point if you're willing to uh, throw uh, 14 points down the drain. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I was one of the few people who, you know, looked at the images, or one of the many people who looked at those images initially and thought, God, they look fucking awful. Um, I was not impressed. Um, but I have really weird standards, because I don't actually think the Mammoth models are that good. Uh, and I know a lot of people like it, so... Um, you know, maybe I'm just not into the aesthetic uh, of the way they've gone with these. But these aren't too bad. You know what? These aren't too bad. Um, I don't I know. Think nice. I think yeah. they look good in those pictures. Yeah, they, they look two, fine. Two, two different kind of poses. One's almost charging. One's a bit more casual. Um, and uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm waiting to get hold of them. You know, like uh, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you that I'm desperately waiting to paint them, but you know. I like I like to take the miniatures out of the box and go, oh, they're quite nice, and then put them back in the box. Mm -hmm. And then pretend that there's something else together and then put them away in a cupboard forever and forget about them. <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, they're, they're good. You know, they're fine. Um, and that's all that, you know, it's all that we hope is that they're, they're good and that people want to collect them and, and that they provide the service that they want to provide. Uh, they are by no means complete garbage tier models, which actually look depressing. Um but as Scorched Earth said in chat, it, it's no cold hands elk. That is no, true. That's, that's, that's the best miniature they ever released. Yeah, it is. Um, so yeah. Yeah, very uh, very much like there's something there to be said about the elephants there. Um, overall, I'm not taken by them. Um, no. I, I'll be honest with you, for seven points... If you removed this morale check mechanic, I still don't know if I'd take them. Like, I I feel like there's this negative impacted thing on a seven point unit, which I almost don't care about when it comes to evaluating the unit. But I know for a fact, when it comes to playing them, that that will just hurt that little bit when it comes to playing the game. Right. Yeah, I mean, um, the 
the the double double champions of the stag barrelists might certainly be panicking, but like that that's about it. Oh god, anything that makes anyone you know what, we talked about skew lists and everything like that. Anything that makes people stop running these ridiculous skews, uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of them anyway. I, don't think, I think the, like, the Raider spam skew is not good uh, with Insignificant. I think the Everything Has Armor 2 skew actually isn't that good. Uh, but I know that it wins games. I know that people win games a lot with these things. Um, anything that makes those suffer is always a good thing in my book. So maybe I, maybe I love the math. The war elephant. Maybe it's the best thing that's uh, come to the game since last bread. So, and, and yeah, like here's quite a damning assessment. Actually, like mm-hmm. uh, I'm on board with Pavel, which is like it wouldn't be wild for them to have a cavalry maneuver. Like probably not. really. Like you know, what I mean, what, in what ways do they differ from from, from Lance cavalry? Like really, do you know what I mean they bring less wounds, but they have this they have this negative impact. They're not very good in sustained combat. They have a three plus six plus, which is the same defense profile that you get on these Lance Cavalry. You know, that that's the same thing as you get on Tully Cav, same thing you get on Axe and Castlerox, same thing that you get on Flayed Men, right? They're six movement, yes, the others are five. But like them being five or maybe even four movement with a cavalry maneuver maneuver would bring them into the realms of viability, right? It would be a very a more extreme heavy hitting on the charge, no armor save, best against armored stuff, cavalry unit at that point. But instead, they're like a very um, clumbersome infantry unit that has to stay within range of other things. Uh, it's They're a bit weird, yeah. Um, be... Steven, I'd, I'd give it... It shouldn't be talking power-wise, just, just pure power-wise, because of all the things that roll into it and the current units that allow that required to select it i'd say it's like two out of ten i was going for two as well yeah um the the thing that they did with so the thing that they've done with mammoths and they've clearly done it here with the war elephant as well is that they they function on their own they don't need support per se but they are just battering rams like this is something you deploy in the middle of your force you almost point at the center objective and go I'm going that way. Whatever stands in the way is what I'm going to charge and kill. They are, they are not a finesse piece. That's the thing. They are, they are just a this thing is coming at you. Move out of the fucking way or die. And they do have that effect. The problem is, is that that's not conducive to winning games. Um, you know, it's interestingly there is there is something I hadn't given them any value to, and 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 yes, the game is much more fighty based and much less objective based. But I mean, it is an eight wound contest monster. Yes, yeah. Not everything. Everything that I'm trying to remember whether the game modes actually specify solos. Yes, they do. Being... Solos. So you can't even contest. No, you can contest. You can contest. It says uh, solos count ranks for contesting. Yeah, but he's not a solo. He's a monster. Uh, so on war machine, machine base. War machine or monster count. Uh, war machine or solos count as solos. So war machine oh, okay. base or okay. so chariots, harakars, right. these right, guys, wolves. Yeah. They're all solos. That's what my initial thought was, and then <laughs> oh, I just got myself into a rules discussion about whether or not whether or not a war machine. Fitted, fitted the requirements of the mission-specific uh, contest rules, but uh-huh. anyway, you've got a unit which you're not scared to have in combat. 
it's the ideal place for it to be, roughly speaking, obviously not grinding combat on the charge. And it has eight wounds. There's in certain game modes, there's nothing in the game it can't contest. Right? Um and so, you know, that that that's useful, except for the fact that it doesn't have any any it doesn't have any real defensive capabilities. Um so it's 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 cavalry it's lance cavalry, it's heavy cavalry with two thirds of the normal wounds. It doesn't have any decay by going to a second rank, but you know, like it's only a couple of wounds more than being one rank anyway. It has nothing around like giant mechanics of like taking half as many hits. It has nothing which says when it's hit it's gonna strike back, when it you know, when it fails a panic test, it's gonna go crazy, anything like this. So you have no reason to not want to attack this thing. Mm-hmm. Um and it's not that defensive, and then you bring its then you bring its wounds down and then it's not contesting, you know. It, all I'm saying is, is like it could be an amazing contest machine if it had some fear factor around it being attacked. But right now, like once it charges you, you might as well just fight it and kill it. Mm. Uh, Daniel says, can things con- uh, contest if they're all saying they can't control? Yes, contesting and controlling objectives are different. Controlling objectives is specifically the owning and the scoring of objectives. Um, contesting has got nothing to do with controlling. Uh, it can just prevent somebody from controlling. Um, so yeah, uh, ironically, uh, people perhaps didn't know this, but it's one of the strengths of freedmen and targs for three points, is being a solo unit on a solo base. They technically have six wounds, which means they technically have six ranks. Um, so they can contest objectives all day. Uh, the major difference is that targs don't run freedmen because, I don't know, I think the, the the consensus well, is basically... I mean, it loses five of those five yeah. of those ranks for one attack basically so exactly, you know yeah. it's a bit pointless oh, um yeah these this guy is just sadness really um well you know like um, i ain't, but I ain't using it but like but yeah yeah, yeah he's know, like you know what he does he does bring I'm, a different I'm, it's something I'm just, different. I, i'm much glad I'm, I'm much i'd much like i said i'm much much prefer I'm not sad because because I don't want them to dominate the game, yep. right? That, that, yeah. That's maybe just me, but like I'd rather this thing came out and every everybody forgot about it. To be honest, practically forget that it's even a monster. Forget that it's like weird rules, kind of like uh, very polarizing in in the past, right? Just that it's a neutral unit. I don't want any neutral unit to come out and it to just be the entire talking point of forever for the for the rest of the edition because that's really boring and it becomes the game becomes a large amount about like who has the best deck to manipulate the amazing neutral unit which i can implement yeah, yeah and, uh, and 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 yeah I'd, uh, uh i'm not sad at all mm-hmm. um yeah no yeah no me neither uh but it is uh it is for me that the morale test thing is just think like, is an unnecessary addition that's the only bit that I'm sad about. I just think it it's just unnecessary. It's not required. Um and Yeah, I, I just rather see that mechanic go because that's kind of like what they added to Mammoths originally with the mechanic of trampling and stuff like this and this idea that you don't control objectives or things you want to do. And I don't like anything in the game which is some form of test which takes away 
an onus or a, a choice. Yeah, you know, taking away choice is never a positive impact. If anyone has to do this morale test on a mammoth because they, or sorry, a war elephant because the supporting golden company infantry unit died, for example, you just you just feel bad. You just feel shit, and it's like, oh well, my my elephant didn't do anything. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> um, and that's just not fun. Like somebody, it, it's a counter fun thing, right? Uh, which I don't like. But um, but yeah. <laughs> Apart from that, yeah, they're 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 serviceable, and for seven points. Yeah, it's it's right that they're they're more like a six six and a half point unit wrapped up in seven points with a, a gatekeeping requirement. Um and as people in chat have been alluding to, if there is a Golden Company commander coming out that offers Golden Company affiliation to an infantry unit, that wouldn't necessarily be too goddamn awful to allow one war elephant. That wouldn't be terrible. Um no, so, yeah, sure. Like, yeah. You know, like I, like I say, like in isolation, I don't think this unit is necessarily worth spending seven points on. If you're going to go out there and spend your commander choice on unlocking it, then I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. Do you know, like it's not been set up in a way that the infantry unit is maybe a bit of a burden. It's not quite worth its points cost, but that the elephant's amazing once mm -hmm. you've unlocked it. No, the elephant's thoroughly just all right at very best at seven never mind the fact that it's kept behind behind this requirement yeah uh cool so that's the the golden company war elephant and uh people might think oh it's a bit strange to start with the war elephant but going on to the swordsman but i do think the mammoth the war elephant of all these things is actually a lot easier to analyze than the swordsman uh which we'll come on to in a second and of course the uh golden company commander who i think is a no commander uh, officer uh which we'll come on to in a second so the golden company swordsman then um the uh let's just have a look at look this this art on the box uh, for a moment uh i quite like that art i know it's quite simple but i quite like it it's interesting yeah, yeah. i mean um purple orange purple orange gold yeah We'll, uh, we'll see how they paint up. I am interested to see somebody do them in a, in a in a really powerful gold scheme and whether or not it comes out well on the models. Because the models, as we discussed in the past, the models are a little bit uh, hodgepodge in their kind of in their in their outlook and whether or not a good paint scheme can like tie them together again. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd be quite interested. The uh, someone who's you know someone who spoke and been painting kind of like purpley kind of violety colors more recently just, that's I, I know right not much but um but i really do think there's a lot you can do with kind of these deep royal purples uh to bring out a lovely color which i do think is very good for like models i i was remarkably surprised when i was looking at some of the stuff for things like um chris baker right and some of the stuff that he's done we've shown on the channel before but some of the specifically purple is such an interesting color to see people paint and get some lovely results with um I'm a, I am on the side with you. Gold armor can look tacky, shite. to put it bluntly. Yeah, shite. Uh, but it can also look really well done. So yeah, um, hard tone to get. Yeah, and orange, orange is orange is normally a nightmare to paint as well. Yeah. So not an easy scheme that they've set up there. No, not at all. Uh, which will be even more amazing when we see some of the absolutely incredible painters we've seen on the channel or or in the community. Seeing them paint these up, I can imagine we're going to be like, oh, God, that's so good. <laughs> uh, I'll just go and 
beat the meat to uh, some images. Anyway, uh, right. Uh, so the models themselves. Um, it is the the infamous. Let's start with the one on the on the far right. Oh look, it's that one that we saw that picture that one time uh, on that reveal stream. So I believe that is now literally everything from Simon. Yeah, from the Simon Expo, I think it was the like the reveal picture. Ago, yes, maybe even like twelve months ago. Something similar. Um, that is now everything from that picture uh, now out. So if we consider that that was Simon's announcement of all of those things, then uh, we must be due something soon for them to announce some stuff, right? Right. Well, well, I tell you, I tell you <laughs> what, I tell you one thing about this, right? It does make me actually believe that Martels might be soon. What? Because because the last time that they spoke about them and Martels, like they spoke about them in a way that they were very similar, right? Like uh timescale wise. Mm -hmm. I believe. And I know that these haven't been officially released, but obviously I'm just talking about like the time in which somebody will non officially get hold of Martels. Uh, which will be actually actually an exciting release, no matter how how good they are, right? Like that's that's the issue. Like you release a unit, people only really care if it's good or bad, right? You release a faction, people will go ape shit over Martel, whether they're whether they're top tier or bottom tier. Well, characters, right? In general, characters. Yeah. I mean, we saw it a little bit with the hero boxes as of late. Hero boxes in general will generate some level of hype because characters are interesting in the game. We've talked about it so many times before, how really Game of Thrones is centered on the characters. Um, so the opportunity for people to go, oh, what does that character have? Is always, yeah. always really interesting. And yeah, new factions, you've got that. You've got new units with new mechanics, potentially. You've got new design spaces that get explored much more often. Yeah, new factions are way more exciting than literally anything else. Um, these four models, the one on the right is the only one that I like. The one on the right? So yeah, yeah. this one here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is that because his sword's in the right hand? Well, I mean, <laughs> that, that, that is somewhat incidental, but yes, all the others are left-handed swordsmen for whatever given reason. I, d I don't know, like, the third one in, the one, the one just to the left of him, Yeah. the third from the left, he just looks like a miniature from, like, 20, 30 years ago. Like, you know, like, he just looks... Like one of those sculpts which was good back in the early noughties, back in the nineties. Um, this guy on the far left, he has a weird head and a weird pose. <laughs> he looks and... a little bit like um, he look he looks a little bit like an alien child who's like, and he's like leaning forward slightly, and he's like, "Ooh, where am I?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, look, he looks lost. And yeah. the second one in from the left, he's okay, maybe good from a different perspective. Uh, just don't like the way he's hunched, really. But he he know. brings me like uh, he very much, in fact, gives me not uh, Rose Knight vibes, right? Yeah. You you could. I feel like the two best models here also happen to be the two models that look closest to Rose Knights. Um, That's true. Uh, yeah. And the other, yeah, the the guy with the square head helmet, which I know is not square, but it. Bloody hell, it looks square. Um, it's fine, but you are right. It, it just feels dated now. It's a, uh, but it's not yeah. bad. The one it's on the just... far right really does like genuinely just look like like he's from the Rose Knights. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. There we go. Anyway, so those are the models. Uh, they look great. Um, 
he says, after like potentially just saying they don't look great. Uh, so there they are in the box. You actually have, uh, annoyingly, <laughs> two of them are the guys with the swords in the right-hand side. Yeah. The, the best sculpt. My favorite sculpt. <laughs> uh, there's only two of them. Uh, you do have the commander there, and you also have the bannerman. Um, the bannerman. From the, the, from the bit that I've seen and that yeah. stuff. That's actually one thing in general. Uh, Greyjoy's pending because there's one or two Greyjoy bannermen who I just think look sad. Um, but the bannermen in general that we see across the board in A Song of Ice and Fire I think are actually pretty good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like they're, they're nice models. Um, and that is one thing that they do have going for them a lot. Uh, Alright then. So. Ilya, Ilya is a exactly right the guy second from the left looks mm-hmm. just like he's wearing i believe they call it imperial armor in uh in uh, world of warcraft yeah, yeah. This, yeah. I, i.e the guards that you see standing around all of Stormwind and all of uh you know all, all of the human areas he would just be blue with a white feather and just 100 that is that, that that's a guy from world of warcraft Someone in chat will have to remind me where the Stormwind Bank is. Um, so we'll uh, we'll get there. God, that's an old meme. An old meme, but it checks out. Uh, all right then. So um, the Golden Company Swordsman. Uh, this absolutely fantastic high quality image brought to you by the people of the internet. Um, so it is a five move infantry unit at seven points with uh, a 754 on three plus a profile, four armor, six morale. Uh, it has the attack tactical strike, which is base sundering, and if you control letters, you roll highest attack die value, and it also comes baked into the unit iron resolve. Um, I, for seven points, I really don't think these guys are bad. They're, they're not, not brilliant, but they're not bad. They're not like they. You can't, you can't, they're, okay, they're, they're good enough that yep. they can't be six. Let's yes. put it that way. Yeah. Right? They can't be six. So, just, if you think that that combination of abilities is worth seven points, then sure, great. Personally, I just think that their tactical strike is meh. Like I, I, I don't personally. I don't see any value in that. If you control letters, roll the highest attack die. I think that that's a very. I think that's effectively been overcosted. Like I, yeah. I think that if that was something else, then you might get away with saying that these are actually like a really acceptable, decent seven-point unit. But as I've discussed recently, I've. I've got a lot of respect for Iron Resolve and its usefulness. I think that is a good ability. Four plus six plus, which is you know, you could just describe it as a four plus five plus because of Iron Resolve if you wanted. Yeah. Um, and the seven five four and three plus is is a perfectly fine elitish attack profile. The Sundering is good. The only thing is that if you could swap that letters for something a bit more useful in my perspective, then I would be like. Yeah, okay, these are these are a decent seven point unit. Problem for me is, is that I don't really see them any combo potential, really. Like, you know, like there's there's, there's not they're, they're they're a very good standalone unit. They're 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 fine to just put on the battlefield for seven points and do their thing by themselves. 
I think that they can beat units that are cheaper than them, and they probably lose to a lot of things in the seven-point bracket, or at least the seven-point bracket that is utilized, like actually seven-point units that do see the field. Mm-hmm. But more specifically, those seven-point units nearly always have ways to really empower themselves, be it through an attachment, be it through like their specific combination with their deck, be it all these things. So I think they're fine. And not any better. I am. Um, I drew uh, immediately when I saw these. I drew a comparison internally with Night's Watch Swarm Brothers, who uh, the Swarm Brothers aren't lighting the field on fire, but they are kind of. When you look at seven point unit, you look at Swarm Brothers and Gay. Yeah, those are on the kind of like decent end of seven point units. While also, if you told me that they need to go to eight because they're too powerful, I would tell you flat out no. They would be terrible at eight. Um, they would be too strong at six. They are kind of like a staple, good seven-point unit that sees play. Um, and if it wasn't for the fact that hunters exist so much in Night's Watch, Sword yeah. Brothers would probably be the staple seven-point unit. Um, Absolutely. And they are, and that's not to say that they're bad. You know, they take the middle and they go, we're just above it. We're good. Um, I look at these guys and I compare them to, uh, to the to the Swarm Brothers, and they have exactly the same attack profile, movement, defensive profile. When you count for Iron Resolve, the five morale of the Swarm Brothers effectively is the same, but they have the minus one wound taken, which isn't nothing um, as a defensive thing. They've got Sundering the same way that Swarm Brothers have. And then instead of Martial Training for the rerolls and Vulnerable Token, they have this Letters, Highest Attack Dice thing, that's the weakness. That right there oh, is where they fall down. Yeah, and that's it. So, is I agree with Stephen. Like, I'd even I'd even be happy with it if it just was swords. Yeah. If it was swords, then it means that like if the unit's not got very many models left, it's down to it's down to four models, something like that. I'm still dangerous to open the round with the swords, but mm-hmm. as soon as you make it that I can't the ability and make the attack in one fail swoop outside of Baelish. Baelish, you know, like Baelish, he's got too many important uses for you to start saying, oh, but I'll just combo that with Baelish. It's like, yes, okay. But like Baelish has infinitely many other. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So um, if I could be certain that I can just open the round or at any given time that Swords is open, I can take that without requiring me to also have another zone, then I think that would be better. I don't think it'd make it like amazing, but still, you know, I think that, that is better. A lot of people um, in chat saying if it came with re-rolls as well, um, yeah. that would probably be enough. Yeah, you know what? If it came with re-rolls, I would almost put it comparable with start uh, with your Swans brothers. Like it's very comparable at that point. Um, yeah, re, re, re- rolls, yeah, is effectively martial training at that point. Um, yeah. Very, very similar. Makes them much more, uh, much, much better in a continuous grinding combat without charges required. I tell yeah. you what, they're, I tell they're you, okay. They're okay. I tell you what, I did actually think about, and this is like super meme level. This is not good. I don't think for competitive play. But I did think, uh, obviously, Targs being a, a kind of supposedly uh, ally with them, I did finally see a place for Zarazo and Daxos coming down onto letters, influencing these guys. And it's like, 
sure it's not a strong opening play but i've got some i've got some cards now maybe put a token out but specifically if you charge me i'm really unlikely to die from full health because of iron resolve and i will attack you back with sundering and eight dice because of zaranzo and daxos that's not trash it's not great it really isn't what um that part you know the likes of targs are looking for but i do think there's something there maybe but i do think it's it's probably more mean than it is actually competitive um yeah it's, it's nah, not... i'm sorry come on in targs in targs yeah. for seven oh, points you could have you could have unsolid swordsman you could have unsolid yeah. pikeman right yeah, like, yeah why are you fucking around with these much more mediocre um golden yeah. company swordsmen completely agree and they are mediocre. They're not. They're not a total write-off. If your faction really doesn't have anything worthwhile in the bracket, and you want to fill it out, then yeah, you can go for it. Maybe they will start to see some play in and around. Um, you know, like similar to like a bottom black, bottom blackguard, like yeah. sort of like see play here and there. I almost forget that they exist, and and then suddenly like someone feels, and they're like, oh, you know what? They they are an absolutely fine six-point unit. That, that's where I put the Golden Company Swordsman right now, which is you can't write them off. They're a seven-point unit, but seven points is just a lot of powerful units exist in that category, and they're not a game-defining and power, powerful unit. They're only okay. The only, the only thing I see where these guys come in, for me, potentially, uh, like, the only way i see these guys lighting anything on like fire and performing is if there's some form of cheap or free attachment in the commander that gives them something a bit and then ultimately what i'm looking for is assault orders um i can see very much these guys with assault orders being very dangerous because you can just be like right well i'll take letters assault order that will cancel any token play or cancel any card draw for this round for you and it might leave open a swords or bags play for your opponent and they might oh well attack you back and it's like i don't care i'm gonna hit you again i'm gonna hit you hard so your best thing to do is heal probably or retreat probably but you know what i've still got swords so i can do something else i i yeah. do see that potentially as a strong play um but realistically then you're talking drogo who has better things in targ uh space starks who for seven points, I don't think they'll be looking for these guys anytime soon. Mm -hmm. um, which means that realistically, and then what? There's like Greyjoys. No, <laughs> uh, you're taking Iron Makers usually or something else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I do think uh, it, it's actually just interesting that they even came out with five movement and four, four armor instead of four movement and three armor. Yep. Um, the they're practically the first shielded models in the game to not come with four movement and three armor, right? Like, yes. basically. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'll, I'll... for it... basically all that they look like Rose Knights, they aren't. Um, and th there is, you know, people said it in chat, there is credence to say that they wouldn't be terrible in Baratheons. Um, mm -hmm. in natural I, I, synergies. I'd like a different vibe to Wardens yeah. or Rose Knights, right? Like, I, I off the top of my head, Possibly um, Stormcrow Mercs was more like their blur thing. Yeah. Which isn't really a shield. They're definitely not armored. But they're leather um, armor, not, not plate, right? Possibly so. like 
Oh no, now I'm now I'm now I'm uh, starting to think of more. There's also pikemen, right? Pikemen are five movement and four armor. There are there are there are pre there is previous form, but the way that they look, <laughs> it's because they're left-handed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> makes them lefties faster. Run, lefties run faster, but don't know how to use the shield. Clearly, <laughs> um, yeah, they just they just look like a four four movement three armor unit. Um, so it's it's quite surprising to me that they're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, just uh, look at it. What chat's saying? Rerolls again. Still things. Uh, Stephen. Stephen. Uh, says see, they seem disjointed. Uh, they do just a little bit, just a little bit. Not not far off, but just a little bit. Uh, Dan saying like the little bear and Starks potentially working with these guys. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you have a little bear and Starks is Dan's answer to everything. I mean, <laughs> right now at least. Right Liana, now, Liana the little bear is freaking great. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a Dan special. Um, and Doug's Doug pointing out that shields are weaker in the wrong hand. That'll be what it is. Shield in the right hand yeah. doesn't work properly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what's actually more aggravating of this, by the way? You know, it's the art images they use for the card is the best looking model, and she's the least representative of the unit. <laughs> oh dear. Less, literally the least models. Oh Jesus. Anyway, um, shall we move on to the officer? Because I think we've had mm-hmm. enough of these guys. I, I, I actually do think we'll see these. I think we'll see these on the board. I think we'll see these on the board because people want to play War Mammoths. Sorry, uh, War Elephants. I think we'll see these on the board without Elephants because I think people are going to be willing to try them um, to see what they kind of come out to be. The Commander. The Golden Company oh, Officer. Yeah. Boisterous Christmas and Dauntless. Uh, so, Dauntless is very easy to uh, analyze. Pass a wound, pass a test, heal a wound. Uh, we've seen that countless times on loads of different things. And it is, generally speaking, most people will say Dauntless is actually pretty good for one point. Uh, if it comes with anything else for one point, Dauntless is pretty damn good. It's... Uh, yeah. It's probably... It's, it's one of those half-point abilities we've seen elsewhere... It costs yeah. half a point, but it's almost good enough to be a point on its own. Almost. Yeah. But it's not. I'm not buying it for a point myself. No. It's neat. But... It's, there's better things, unfortunately. But yeah. Yeah. Boisterous charisma, though. Uh, so this is what we see on Renly, Lord Paramount of the Stormlands. Uh, this unit may never be targeted by enemy orders, tactics cards, or be influenced by enemy NCUs. We also see the more recent edition of Dolorous Ed has this. Once his unit right. loses one rank, it basically is this. Uh, after his unit loses a rank. Um... I'd forgotten, because it that little impact of an ability, generally speaking. It's one of those which I I I actually think Boisterous Charisma is a very good ability. I don't think people realise how useful it can be. The problem is never how good it is but what you're losing to gain from it and uh the golden company officer comes in at two points 
two points. It's that's a hard sell. If this was one point, I am no word of a lie. I think yeah. you see it all the time. And uh, here's how good it would be at one point, and actually is an interesting concept around boisterous charisma. If it was one point, I would look to build a a, a skew, a horrible skew list where it was in every single one of my units. Correct. Right. Yes. And 100%. then, and then it also increases its own value because at that point, I'm entirely immune to orders, tactics, cards, and influence NCUs. Right. Maybe even I might even be so interested in the concept that I might run Paramount plus all my other units having them just to absolutely ensure that not a single unit can be targeted by them. And that shut down a lot of shit, by the way. That, yeah. that shuts down some of the most dangerous shit in the game. Um... But, but but that also shows you why it, it, it has it, it's not the be all to end all because. Obviously, assuming your opponent understands how these things work, you can then just target something else most of the time, right? Like, yes, you can use it to be entirely, I have no fear of Lannister supremacy. I have no fear of XYZ card or, do you know what I mean? And that can be useful. That can be important. But your opponent can pretty much just work around those things. Yeah. They're generally speaking not the best abilities anyway. If they are allow, if you already have the requirement that your opponent allows you to trigger it, if your opponent allows you to trigger it by engaging you with a particular unit, then generally speaking, at the top of competitive play, not that important anyway. The all the things that you would really want to deny. A lot of them don't target in the way you want them to, mm-hmm. um, and there are a lot of things that you can still be um, you can still be kind of affected by. But yeah, I would now that I've talked myself into it, and like people are talking about the Stormcrow Mercs route to get it out at six points a unit because of uh, the adaptive ability. The unit's okay in its four-point capacity, shall we call it, you know, mm-hmm. with, with its adaptive point. Um, it'd be interesting to understand as a list-building concept that if you had just that plus, I really do think that you have to effectively have a commander who has it as well. Otherwise, yes. now your commander unit is just <laughs> going to be the, the target of everything in the entire Rip. game. Yeah, yeah, it just gets yeah. blown up. So effectively, like, it feels like you need to play it with Renly Lord Paramount, which is which is also another handicap that I think is going to hold it back. I would be interested as a as a concept as to what it would deny and what lists opponent like opponents would just be like. Well, I can't play this list because I just I can't use my major abilities target and I don't get them at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mel Mel is what comes to people's minds, but like actually, Mel- I think that interestingly, if you played a single Mel list, then. Really, I actually wouldn't be. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be scared to play my Mel list at all. I'd just say, okay, I play Mel. I gain the vicious, and the second part is entirely optional. And it's... I'm just like, well, I don't take any wounds. I don't have any wounds to you, unless you're talking about the 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 Roos, Mel, Jack, and everything all in on this test Mel list. Then I'm like, I don't care. I don't need to target you. It's it's worth remembering though that Mel, the specific wording on Boisterous Charisma is uh or be influenced by enemy ncus mel influences a friendly unit then targets an enemy unit so it does it 
Mel navigates through boisterous charisma. So there you go. it doesn't even protect you. No. Um, but it, it does work against a lot more of the, you know, let, let's go to free folk being, you know, one of the stronger armies on the board. Um, coordination tactics. Uh, so war cry doesn't work. Can't target anything. Uh, can't target the war cry because that's an order. So war cry, you can't be war cried. You cannot be trapped by trappers. Again, a very popular pickup from the meta right now. You can't have uh, there's too many when an enemy is performing a panic test. Uh, ironically, subjugation of power doesn't prevent there's too many because it doesn't target the unit making the attack. It targets the defending unit making the panic test. So there's a big one. Uh, you can't be tied by surrounded exposed. Some token gen. I mean, it means all the token gen's gone. Sure, it's not a big deal though. Um, but it does shut down some of the strongest things in Free Folk. Uh, let's look at Night's Watch. Oh, wait, it doesn't shut down a single thing in Night's Watch <laughs> uh, because they're all friendly targets uh, things. So it does nothing to protect against Night's Watch whatsoever. Uh, it's also mm -hmm. worth remembering that Night's Watch orders target their own unit in Relentless and Quickfire. So, again, it and does... And Martial Training, and right? Martial Training, yeah. And, yeah. And things like that. yeah. So it doesn't Thanks. do anything in the Night's Watch matchup at all. Um, outside of maybe it stops take the black because when the unit dies it has boisterous charisma so you can't take the black or maybe it doesn't stop take the black because the unit's dead and so it doesn't have boisterous charisma anymore and then I don't fucking know let's I'll tell you to go fuck yourself if, <laughs> if I played take the black and you said Oh no, I have boisterous charisma. I'd say, no, you fucking don't. You're dead. <laughs> but uh, that, that sounds like a really bad way of giving your Night's Watch opponent uh, boisterous charisma, which you really don't want to give Night's Watch, and, uh, and Dauntless, which, you know, they can pay a point for if they want. Um, yeah, those are the two big ones. Lannister, it will prevent quite a lot of Lannister stuff, actually. Um, probably doesn't yeah. affect anything in Stark, or Targ, even, potentially. Um and Greyjoys, there might be some stuff, but we're talking now going down the meta a little bit. Um, it might, honestly, I can see people picking this up because of the people don't like Free Folk, so I can see people playing this against Free Folk because they don't like them. Uh, but it doesn't do enough into other matchups. Not at all. Um, yeah. So there's the skew meme end where yeah. you're like, hey, my whole army's untargetable. Like, Whole swathes, whole swathes of your deck or your abilities that you spent points on is now useless, um, which is exceptionally expensive. If you're talking about four units, then that's eight points. Like you, you, you've, you've bought, you, you've sacrificed a whole blade man unit just to like have that ability plus dauntless. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you know when we talk about the reality of what does and doesn't work, it's pretty, it's pretty mean. There is another discussion where you can say, well, I'm going to, up until this point, definitely this idea and this concept of, um, you know, just like mega units, like unstoppable units that, that, that can't be beaten have effectively not existed at all. Yes, there are incredibly powerful units. There are very aggressive units. We've talked in the past about, you know, way back in, 1.6 there were units that could one-shot stuff right and like can't be stopped in that way but but a unit that can grind and nothing can turn their abilities off and nothing can kill them and nothing can influence them nothing can stop it 
is another way of using this guy. Um, but I really I, I struggle to think that they exist. Like the first thing that comes to mind is Rose Knights because of the uh, the use with Dauntless, right? Dauntless is yeah. Dauntless is the thing that they lost. Yeah. They still have Deadly Bloom, which is when they heal, they deal the wound. So the Dauntless plays into that. Plus the bolsterous charisma says, okay, well you know, like that unit, which is really really tough, but generally ignored for X Y Z reason. Maybe you switch off its abilities. Maybe you do this or that or slow them down or just use orders to trap them, stuff like that. No, 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 none of that works. But now we're talking about a nine-point unit. I still think that we're just like, well, that's just not enough to be worthwhile. No, that, that, that's the big thing is that the um, the high points cost of this are at two points. Uh, with the units you want to use it on, uh, my initial thoughts were not necessarily um, Rose Knights. But going down much more kind of like meta side of um, Queen's Men in Stannis. Uh, with Stannis mm. RTK bringing Dauntless currently. OTK bringing Dauntless currently. Um, for the heal on QMs for the, the Mel Jacken engines that we see. Um, I can't myself see this in Queen's Men taking them to nine points to then act as the engine. I think it's just too much. Um, yeah. I mean, Mar Marwin, Marwin wants wants him in Stagnites for ten points. You'll always keep your resilience, pretty much. I think. Yeah, yeah. You know, there are other things that, but like resilience is one time use. Ah, it's it's limited. I I don't ever ever see myself buying him at two points. Never once. Ariakas, uh, because we all know that Ariakas plays against Endline, and we all know that Endline plays a lot of Lannister. Uh, Ariakas saying it doesn't stop Tywin Bomb. Uh, no. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't stop Tywin Bomb. I don't the think... He doesn't switch off all abilities. Uh, except, this is actually important, ironically, you can't switch off Boisterous Charisma because it's innate. Oh, good. Innate, yeah. So you can't switch but off Boisterous... it's not an influence effect. No. So you lose all your other abilities. <laughs> you just can't be affected by any more shit. Um... But yeah, yeah it, you'd you'd still get Tywin bombed, um, and you would still stop your other defense uh, defensive abilities if you have any. Um, I tell you where I definitely wouldn't put this. I almost certainly would not put this in Golden Company Swordsman, <laughs> uh, yeah. because I think that, that is a nine, nine point. point. No, that absolutely dead on arrival. That that's a nine point unit that's doing no work whatsoever. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, no, never. Don't try it. Dauntless is good. Uh, Boisterous Christmas. I actually don't think Boisterous Christmas know, is a bad ability. Everything is good, Mickey. Everything has to come with a cost. Dauntless yeah. is not a good one-point ability. It's not. It is a good half-point ability. It's yeah. good when it comes with motivated by motivated by coin for yeah. one point. Good when it comes with some other thing for one point. It's not a one-point ability in itself, and Bosphorus Charisma is not bringing the rest of that two-point value. I agree, I agree. Um, honestly, it's a two-point attachment, and like we have said time and time and time again, two-point attachments are, generally speaking, bad. Um, you, you go into... go uh, If someone ever right, shows you a two-point attachment, and you know it's two points, you should, before you switch the card over to actually look at the abilities, you should already be thinking, 
when I read this, I have to be blown away. I have to think mm. that combination of abilities is really good. Best example I can bring to anybody right now is what we've currently got in Free Folk. You give Warcry and Stalwart for two points, and you go, that's a good combo. They work together, that works. If I had to pay two points for Torment every single time, because I didn't have Adaptive, even that would be like, that's a hard sell. Like, that's yeah. a hard two-point sell. And it's good. Um, again, Free Folk, Harmer, Sentinel, and plus one move pivot thing. That combo of abilities, amazing. Right? For two points? God, that's a hard sell. You've got to really want to do it. Um, are there any good free folk, uh, any good two point attachments outside of free folk? Well, I think those are the only two good free folk attachments for two points. Uh, I think Rattle Shirt's hilarious, but I don't actually think he's that good. Um, so we, Ramsey, I mean, we don't see him a lot. Like, I, w I would say that the. Um, Ramsey, think... Ramsey Theon. He actually, for two points now, is probably playable. Mm. I do actually think he is, and we do see him a lot. Yeah, okay. um, in very specific cases. Yeah. What about the um, the various um, what are they called? Uh, Blood Riders. Do we think any of the Blood Riders? Like we just don't see them though. Like it's like so. No, they're not good. Ricaro. I feel like, like Ricaro is the most picked one. The guy that lets he, you do. He's the he's the one with Sentinel, right? Yeah, in vets or whatever it is. Uh, we sometimes yeah. see him. Uh, or you see, I think someone saw him in Flayed Men, actually, which was hilarious. But um, Vargo might be the only playable two-point attachment as well. Yeah, Vargo at two points because of his assassinate might be decent. Uh, I know Baratheon's quite like Loras for two points mm -hmm. as well. Um, but for all of these things, notice the common theme here, right? For two points, you're bringing something for a very specific reason. Sentinel, which is a decent ability on cavalry, especially Flayed Men. <laughs> um and can't be weakened. Very good on flayed men. Um, we've got uh, Ramsey, who fueled by slaughters, pretty good. Uh, he comes with a panic token like AOE. That's pretty good. Um, and he has another ability, intimidating presence, which Timmy Abrams is a very good ability. Um, so yeah, Ramsey's reasonable. Um, the other one we mentioned, who else? Uh, Loras, expert duelist right. with precision. Uh, Vargo I mean, Doug brings up Jamie, who again has assassinate, but like I would say, you know, he's even he's at the very tail end of that because yeah, because the other ability that comes with it doesn't have enough synergy or enough value. So Ilya, Ilya saying the Carl two pointer with stalwart and uh, expert duelist again. Uh, usually we don't see it because Asher Carl for two is probably yeah. better, but actually Carl on his own is. Carl on his own for two points isn't a terrible thing. Um, if you don't want Warcry, um, synergizes better with the high, like Silence Men. You don't want to set them out to five; it's pointless. Um, John, two but point yeah, attachment. Like two points just doesn't happen for an attachment. You can't. You get more from increasing your unit cost from five to seven, or six to eight, or yeah. four to six, or whatever whatever point cost range than the two points brings. So it's just not. Not worthwhile. It's not 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 a useful use of your of your points. Um, and this isn't a useful way to spend two points in attachments either. Even after you've got to that point, those two abilities aren't cutting it. Um, which is what's game, actually. You know what? At least at least it's not a neutral. At least it's not a neutral attachment, which comes in a weird box, which 
suddenly now everybody wants two or three copies of in all their lists. So again, I'm not sad that he's, that he's shit. I've come to expect loads and practically every attachment that's unnamed, especially in the two-point range, but pretty much in most ranges. Like, you're just like, you, it arrives and you're just like, no, worthless, pointless. I'm not spending those points on it. There are already good attachments in the one-point range, um, or there's no point in spending these points on attachments. So I had zero expectations that this guy would have any impact on the game, and I think that he'll have less impact than I thought he even might. I think we'll see less. I think we'll see him, and we'll see less going to this boisterous charisma meme. I was half tempted to play it, play it with Renly Paramount and Stormlands because I really like Renly Paramount and Stormlands. I think he's actually not trash. Personally, I quite like his cards and stuff. Um, but just because I like it doesn't mean it's good. Um, and I do, don't, I, I, yeah, I don't think this is good. Um, it's not good. No. But I tell you what, right? If you want to run counter lists to something that's fucking you up in your local club or in your local scene or whatever, and someone relies on like orders and things like this to do anything against you, and one day you turn up with a, a unit full of these, who gives a shit if you win or lose? Yeah. <laughs> it just fucked yeah. that guy if over. You, <laughs> if you want to piss off, if you want to piss off a Lannister player, just do that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if that's all, if that's all you want out of out of your games, then then yeah, go for it. Yeah, uh, and you know what? There is there is a lot to say about sometimes just turning up with a list. If you certainly if you know the player and you know what they're gonna play, turning up with a list that just fucks it in the ass, even if it's not a good list, but just to be like, by the way, this exists. Fuck you. <laughs> um, yeah, there's you know everyone's allowed that moment. Um, there we go, Golden Company officer. Just as charismatic as Renly. Anyway. <laughs> so. Money uh, can buy you anything. Carlo, then. Money can buy you anything. With that statement, how many boxes of War Elephants and Golden Company Officers are you buying? Sorry, Golden Company Swordsman. I shouldn't say that. Uh, I believe, I mean, I ordered them. I, I order just like way before I ever see the rules. So I believe I have two crossbowmen, two swordsmen, and one elephants on order. Turns out probably, yeah, sure, you know, that could be a brilliant trash tier golden company army on the table. That's a 37 point list right there. You can finish yeah. that off with a golden yeah, yeah, company can't officer. Even, can't, even, can't even buy an, <laughs> an MCU. <laughs> uh, you know what? Do you know what would be absolutely memes? If you run golden company officers in golden company crossbowmen, 10 point Ooh. units that do basically fuck all. <laughs> What did you do this game? The same damage output as Lannister Crossbowman. Uh, who, uh, who, who, who have got a newfound respect for, to be fair, but uh... yeah, but for four more points. <laughs> um, yeah, no sadness. Anyway, yeah, no, that's the Golden Company. Um, the Crossbowmen are, as people have said now, and I know they've been in, uh, in the wild. For a long time, I have some myself. The models are quite nice, actually. Um, I quite like them. Uh, the crossbowmen are, to put it bluntly, ultimate sadness. The... Entirely forgettable. Like yeah, that's they, the thing. Like, just... All of these are just entirely forgettable. 
And I think that they're only going to, all of these are only going to win a game when your opponent forgets what they do and lets you use all of your abilities to the maximum potential because you forgot what those abilities were and you what? discounted the unit and couldn't be bothered to read the card. The thing is, what abilities? I haven't actually well, got I mean, that many. Sensible, right? <laughs> like they can, they can shift, that you can attack something, which allows them to shift into a range that you didn't think that they'd be able to get a shot, and then suddenly like something happens, and then... You know, or... so, something happens like, yeah, even then some know, magic happens and the golden yeah. company suddenly do something amazing <laughs> yeah they shift and then and then magic right like i don't know what the like, i don't know what the magic part is they shift and something that you wasn't that you weren't expecting is now worse than you thought it was going to be you know i know they shift and suddenly they have your flank or your rear or like or or they can they can make a chart or well, you okay? Okay, here you go. Here's your magic. I've got it. You attack something, they shift onto an objective that you didn't think that they could, and they score a victory point and they win the game. Whoa! Well, yeah. Why? Boggling. Why yeah. were you that close yeah. to the unit of Golden Company crossbowmen? Why? Why has the game got that close? Uh, yeah. I do you know. Because... Because Golden Company, man, they're good. They're good. Because that, that, that elephant absolutely popped off. And, do you know, do you know what I thought you were going to say? Best unit. I thought the magic was going to be uh, you'd kill a unit or whatever, and then the ma the magic would be uh, the the war elephant goes to activate and charge you and then fails the morale test. And the magic was the Golden Company did nothing. Uh, mm. maybe, no. maybe the magic is sentinel. Let's the Golden Company crossbowmen get back within range oh, of the elephant. What a play! So that the elephant can activate. What an absolute play! Uh, yeah. yeah, Imagine that. Imagine absolute plays of the game. Imagine putting yourself in long range of a friendly unit just so you can do an action at some point in the game. Um, anyway, I think we've fully exhausted the fact that uh, Golden Company. Crossbowmen are entirely forgettable. Swordsmen are fine, and elephants will always be remembered because elephants are exist. And uh, you know, people always like putting beasts of burden or big monsters on the field. If I see any of these uh, atop table, late round event list, so someone who's going like five and one or something or 6-0 and in a big event with these, any of the Golden Company stuff, I'll say, you know what, I'll have a look at that, I'll have a think about that, maybe there's maybe there's something about them that I'm not seeing. Until that happens, I don't think I'm ever going to... Uh... No. No. The only, no. One, the only one I actually think is worth any thought are the Swordsman. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> And and seven point infantry units that have a bit more grinding bite than you expect them to are not are not what define the game right now. No. So then, Carlo, when can we expect these added to the uh, stats builder? Because that's what everyone's everyone's going to be jumping and for joy, being like, "Oh my god, when are these going to be in the builder?" Right, because actually. I really want to play. Um... I I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on with it. Is it ever worth waiting for War Council these days? Is it? 
we'll see. We'll see. There, there aren't really, there aren't really the images worthwhile putting in. Uh, but yeah, you know what? That's how that's how forgettable they are. They actually came out, and honestly, I didn't even think to put them in the builder because I honestly didn't think anybody would want to field them. Obviously, <laughs> some people will want to. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, 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 sure. We'll put some kind of placeholder in for them relatively soon. Because images. why not? Yeah. Um, Evil Sponge does actually bring out the last thing we'll say on these guys. Unless they make some commander that makes them cheaper. And we've why said that we've been think this. that they're going to make them cheaper? Like, on, like... like honestly... If we look at how bad these things are, like not so much the swordsman and not so much the mammoth or the war elephant, uh, but definitely the crossbowman, I could see them re releasing a commander that reduces the cost of these. Otherwise, I, I, I really think they're unplayable. Um, I, I think that that's a really bad avenue for them to go down, and one that I, I think would be really good. Um, at avoiding that 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 silly pitfall, which effectively means that that unit is unplayable with everything other than that commander, because one point is such a huge monumental shift to the power level of a unit in this game that the minimum you can reduce them by is too much of a reduction. They go from being unplayable to amazing. They go from being the the best thing in the game to the worst thing in the game. If you lose no abilities. I would I would be way more okay with a unit, a commander giving every unit that has a certain affiliation a new ability, right? Like, because you can give abilities that aren't worth a point. And more specifically, you can give abilities, you can give as many abilities as you want. They could be worth one, two, three points, whatever you think that they're worth, but they haven't changed the list building dynamic yet, right? But as soon as you reduce something's cost by one, it shifts the whole way that you can build with them, the whole way that you can look at that list. And um, I really don't think that they will. I think that every time people see units and they're not that well-costed, people's instinctive reaction is, oh, they could bring out a commander which will make them the, the right price. And I'm just like, why would they do that? Like, when, when have they ever indicated that that is something which is kind of on the cards? So it, it does bring a small glimmer of a thought of a hope to my eyes. And this really is clutching at straws that are probably ethereal anyway. Um, are we finally going to see neutrals have potentially a neutral only list building mechanic or commander type released? where we can actually finally see somebody go, right, if you take the Golden Company in a neutral faction, here's something to at least alleviate the pain that is taking these units. Um, because we didn't actually talk about it, at 14 points as the minimum unlock for an elephant, that basically means that your neutral allowance in every other faction is nearly entirely gone. Your best bet is like yeah. picking up Baelish as your last thing. Um, or maybe he's a Tycho or something. Uh, no, generally not... speaking, I don't think that that's as big an issue as it no. used to be. You know, I don't think that neutrals are as prevalent as they were. Um, Flayed <laughs> men <laughs> now. Well, no, I think Flayed men have found accept acceptable replacements in 
in Champions of the Stag, in yeah, new okay. Lance Cavalry rules. You know, like, they're not the only thing that we see anymore. They're not everybody's cavalry. They're now, uh, they're now uh, some people's cavalry. I'd still say that I see more Flayed Men than I see Nancy Castle Rock. Um, but I don't see more Stark Flayed Men than I see Tully Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. I... Yeah. Um, uh, I think I, th- I think I think that I think that's incredibly wishful thinking, and, and I I'm very nervous. And like I'm not saying that neutrals aren't wildly underpowered, and like I'm not saying that neutrals don't have just like an incredibly long running problem, which is how do you ever balance them when if their units are good, everybody else has them too, and if they're bad, then all they have is bad units. But I am not them moving in a direction where neutrals have some different point building mechanic because because I more believe that they would get it wrong than I believe that they would improve the game. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, it's a unfortunate hangover from Mother of Dragons, right? Um, yeah. In that we saw it happen before. It was really bad. But let's just take a moment the stuff they've released a golden company here while underwhelming it does show me personally and adds actually a little bit of you know like you've said it does actually instill some confidence in me that they are looking at how things are balanced now and how that they are points costed and they are trying to err on the side of caution nearly always that could be a sign of negative as well but actually again i think that's positive there could be an errata that says, you know what, these crossbowmen are just terrible at seven. We'll bring, at eight. We'll bring them down to seven, and at least that might make them playable. And if that's an, like, if they just say, look, guys, we released them at this because we thought they might be too good, so we erred on the side of caution. We were wrong. We reduced the cost. I don't think anybody in the community would be like, oh my god, that's awful. I think everyone would be like, yeah, fair enough. You know, if you thought these were going to be good, fair enough. I've not got a problem with that. Um. Unlike undercosting, having them play the game and then saying, "Oh, we're, we're raising the cost now," uh, that's that's always worse because we have to put up with the whole plaguing the game bit. Um, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, people chatting in chat about the points shift. Um, we've had this conversation a few times. Uh, I don't know if we want to expand on it much, but talking about raising the points. It's a scale. tired conversation. Yeah. Entire conversation because, at least in my opinion, I might I might be wrong, but I believe that the community are overwhelmingly in favour of better points granularity, and the game designers are not. So like, like, why why bother discussing it anymore? You know what I mean? Like, I I don't think it's gonna happen, guys. Like, I just like why why keep talking about it? It would be great. It would be it's really wishful thinking. I think that. Um, the thing that, um, like, what Atomic Mass games do with Legion at 400, 800 points, like, gives them so much scope for upgrades that cost two points, three points, five points. Do you know what I mean? Like, and they're all very specific things. We see them bring out uh, six monthly or like annual kind of like update erratas, and and it's like this guy now costs three less points. It's like that cannot possibly happen. You can't send something from 72 points. Down to sixty nine point. That was actually an accident. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you can't you, because that 
that granularity does not exist no. for song. And so if you want to readdress something's power level, you have to rewrite its abilities. It cannot just be like, okay, just dial it in a little bit. Just dial it down, dial it down until it gets right. Whereas if our units cost 20 points, 21 points, or 19 points, you can just tick that up, tick that down. Oh, nobody uses that unit anymore. Okay, send it down a point or, you know. And then you can actually get a much better feel for like what what each ability's cost is because people will buy the things that are worth one point. They will buy the things that are worth two points. They'll buy the things worth three points. And you'll be like, yeah, people are willing to pay four points for, for Relentless. Turns out that they're willing to pay one point for, for Dauntless or they're not or, you know, these kind of things. So um, but it would have to be up at like 100 points or something like that before we start to see any real significant improvement. Um, I just, it's not going to happen. Um, just uh, just again, another thing that's cropped up for me. Uh, Craig Grisolog Norek. Uh, has posted a list in our uh, Patreon's list building chat and challenges Carlo to touch this, I think, uh, which is a Thorn Watch with Renly, Lord Paramount of the Stormlands, Stormcrow Mercenaries with the Golden Company Officer, High Garden Pikeman with the Golden Company Officer, and Rose Knights with the Golden Company Officer with Courtney, Marge, and Baelish. Uh, that is about as good as list building gets. I'm surprised with he's managed to get still to seven activations. and Yeah. Okay. <laughs> still not good um uh, yeah you know like it just the pure quality of the seven of the seven units or the four combat units that you've managed to bring means that it's like i guess if i just bring units that aren't reliant on specific things then you'll just win the 1v1 matchups uh, just pointing out there that Cruz as well there uh, gets the opportunity being a patron to call carlo out in a very public way Without it being too public, where Groose looks like an idiot. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the real memes uh, exist in the Patreon channels. So, um, yeah. Yeah, cool. Uh, any other news that we came across? Uh, any other topics of discussion in chat? No. Um, so, the other thing that happened, which... I... I don't know what this is. What uh, you do <laughs> probably know what this is. Um, last week, Simon put out an announcement to say right. about universe, uh, US national championships and how you can organize the play team, the organized play team. Some people are mental, so they just organize these things. Like as soon as they see an email of contact, they're like, I'm immediately going to email this and check if, if it re is real or not. And, uh, they emailed. And it redirected them uh, and said, this email cannot be delivered because this account has been, whatever, is not accepting emails from outside sources. So Yes, it, it seems a case of the most, uh, <laughs> the, the, the most terrible organizational timing possible in that the, the only contact they've had with the community of recent or only publication or only promotion of the game was to say, don't forget about nationals contact the organizer of organized play exactly the same time when they got rid of their organized play guy yes literally the same 
day or week or whatever it was that they got rid of him, they made an announcement that you should email him. Yeah. They... Uh, they, yeah, they, they fucked that one up. <laughs> it's like, they, they fucked that one I don't know the full context of it. I believe that your email is picked up by somebody else. I believe you may still get an email back saying that you're, like, your email's been bound. Um, I, I think that maybe you'll eventually get an email from somebody else. Uh, Adam Lavelle is his yes. name, right? Yeah. Who's the guy that we saw on the Gamma video, was it? I believe so. The head of, uh, yeah. uh, he's the VP of marketing, I believe. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, um, so he, he did that. Yeah, I think so I think that he will pick up your email and then respond to you and say, oh, by the way, I got your email. I think, I don't know, you know, because I know somebody after, somebody else got a response from Adam Lavelle and then somebody, other people, and I thought, oh, right, so they've fixed it. That automatically bounces to Adam Lavelle now. You, but people still continue to send messages to organize play, and they continue to get responses basically saying, this email is defunct, you can't use it, um, you know, like it's no longer contactable. Yeah. And so I don't know whether or not it's actually fixed. I don't know if you still get a don't email this email automatic response. But, yeah, it's it's uh, a classic. Uh, it's a classic CMR move at this point, you know, like if, Every time they try and do right, every time they try and promote the game, every time they try and say, by the way, remember, remember, we've got U.S. nationals. Remember, you can sign up. Remember, you can run a regionals. Um, I, uh, I, I, I think that it's always, always tripping themselves up. Always, always, always falling the very first hurdle. I mean, it is, it is always worth remembering um, that you know us here are very clued in with the game and what's going on um so we perhaps don't give them kind of like the uh the slack that sometimes might be wanted to be given in these, a lot of these scenarios or perhaps even deserved in some of these scenarios uh it's a bit of a stretch <laughs> but um but also you know new, newer players wouldn't necessarily have recognized that and seen that so this isn't something that a lot of newer players or those less involved in the game would really get affected by um but it is ultimately still affecting the existing community uh, and those that are trying to do the right thing. Um, Luke uh, no, Belisarius in chat, uh, we'll come on to him. Uh, Kurt was on a couple months back. Um, he was at a, a regional event and he doesn't have to submit the results for that. Multiple regionals, which we'll get onto later in the episode, did run over the weekend for US re nationals. And they're now sat in a bit of a limbo state being like, well, how do we tell people that we've, this happened? Um, and I know we've actually been thankful somewhat, and we can reveal this piece of news as far as I'm aware, that Simon uh, have got back to Chris for the GT in London, mm -hmm. and they have said that they are committed to helping with significant product for pricing. That is a statement from the actual email which Chris has shared in the uh, London Grand Tournament uh, discord which i know that people were worrying for um so we've had confirmation that that support is still in theory happening but like it's not it's looking through water that's murky that's then put in a dirty glass that's then mm -hmm. been put in a fishbowl of other murky water but different um i don't um we're never you're never gonna know the a, a really clear transparent 
going on with their employees or why things are happening. Like no company will ever be that transparent with their with their customer base, right? Like I think I think there is something of an expectation, a, a weird level of expectation between um, you know, like a tabletop community who are effectively just customers of a company and like what they expect the, the company, how open they expect that company to be with their inner workings. You know, like we me specifically, like I have quite, I have pretty high expectations for how transparent I expect them to be. They are never ever going to tell us why why Robert Fulkerson, you know, no longer is working in that position anymore. Um, it gave it. It seems it seems from the outside that they still have at least a relatively high level of interest and commitment to organized play. It doesn't seem so far like it's like, right, well, we're just we're canning off organized play. It hasn't been the success we wanted it to be. I I I, I would have been incredibly surprised with the timing of that if they had, because considering what they seem to have put into building towards the US nationals. The recent announcement of, you know, a world in 2023, like why would you announce and put in all this work and not wait for it to see if it's had any kind of traction and any kind of like positive impact before yeah. deciding to pan it off? That would all be very, very odd. If anything, it seems like they Possibly, you know, I'm, I'm pure speculation. I have no ideas of their inner working or what's been going on. Almost more from a semi-positive outlook that they felt that the team that they had in place wasn't going to be able to fulfill the ideas that they had in the way that they wanted them, and yep. therefore are looking to, to to put something new in place. Something, but I would assume, and this is just my assumption based on all their previous shall we call them rather than things they've said i would believe that they're probably outsourcing it effectively to asbody is is what i think is basically going on they're, they're effectively saying look we're not going to do this anymore asmody you just do it for us yeah um in the same way that they moved their warehousing they were just like asmody you do it you know um the distribution asmody you do it um we we will just concentrate on like making some game rules and then you do everything else as much as possible. Um, so um, I think that uh, I think that that's more likely what's going on with organized play. I think we'll see it re-implemented to like more definitively under just the Asmodee umbrella, mm -hmm. which I don't think is is a bad thing necessarily i haven't been that involved in asmodee organized play stuff in the past but you know they have enough experience and a track record of running a game things like legion armada um all, all their trading card games obviously from uh, the fantasy flight side of things um so it could possibly bring it in the right direction it mm -hmm. could also be a really rocky time yeah yeah definitely um, well, I guess we'll see, won't we, in, in due course. Um, all right. Uh, another piece of news, by the way, uh, which I didn't... Uh, I... I frequent Discords, so I know what this is. Um, but uh, something that is just something people might not know about. Uh, there have been people venturing into uh, the 3D printing side of Song of Ice and Fire, which has uh, essentially been... 
uh, a non-explored region, really. Um, mm -hmm. You know, yeah, uh, very very underdeveloped by comparison to a lot of the other games of similar. Specifically, similar. Legion. Legion. Yeah, like, Marvel's yeah, Legion. Marvel Crisis Protocol has it, but Legion's 3D printing atmosphere is huge. You can basically get anything you want in Legion without ever having to buy anything from the company. It's insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. Marvel Crisis Protocol as well. You know, like I think that's a bit more difficult because basically the Marvel Crisis Protocol sculpts are of such a high quality that like it makes it it's a very high standard. Also, large models. You know, like it's such a high level for the um, for the three D print to like have to replicate. Plus, the rate at which they release models like means that there's very little missing from the MCP kind of universe. They effectively being alt, end up being alt sculpts very, very quickly because people are like, "Oh, why don't we get a insert model here?" And then, like, just just three months later, that same model is actually fully announced and released. Mm -hmm. Legion, on the other hand, uh, Star Wars has such a depth of characters that they, you know, will never get through to some of your favorite characters. They'll never get through to some of the more niche niche races, and like, and so alternate sculpts are way easier for people to implement uh, and kind of do. So yeah, I think I think that it's thrived in the Legion space, and uh, and and Song's been Song's been very absent of it. A lot of people discuss about the fact that that like song, 3D printing, really brings to the fore just the value offered in a mm -hmm. 12 to 13 model box from song. Um, never mind. I mean, uh, obviously most collectors and people with large armies and stuff, they have trays that they can reuse and spare and stuff like that. But like trays, trays become a bit of an issue. If you're going to print loads of stuff, you do need to have them and they can be useful for storage and stuff like that. But these are lovely models. I think that they are like just straight up better than the Paramounts models supplied by Simon. Yeah, yeah, I quite like them. Um, they actually have a lot more character as well. Uh, yeah. Quite a lot more character. Um, so yeah, those are pretty well done. Those are got uh, by Aaron uh, on the main Discord. Uh, I forget his his name, uh, but his go by Aaron Greyjoy. Um, all of the various different iterations of that name uh, available in the Builders channel um, on over on the main Discord there, um, and also available on Etsy. He has the he has them available. I don't know if he actually does 3D sells the actual 3D print himself, as in you can buy the 3D print and print them yourselves. But he actually does sell them on Etsy, where you can buy them and he'll deliver them to uh, to you, print them off and deliver them um, to order. So that's an option there, um, if you want to. Obviously, it's uh, it would be just supporting someone who's not affiliated with any anything with the game really, uh, just a person in the community. Um, but I'm sure if you ask him, he'll put up 3D files to print. I'm sure at some point. Um, yeah. So there you go. It's happening. Uh, it's good to see. It's nice to see. Um, all right. I think I think in general, because of the fact that the models come pre-supplied, pre-coloured, mm -hmm. um, pre-assembled, all these things mean that song as a whole, even though I think there's huge crossover with people who play other other things, um, I think that 
song as a whole is relatively low on um in, in terms of like people making conversions people making um people making 3d sculpts people doing like really unique things basing seems to be like the one real expression of modeling that like pe that is common to a lot of people right like base is where they decide to go wild where they decide to like really show their inventiveness and show their creativity um and create closer to diorama kind of units rather than um rather than just like static 12 models in a row um but i think that's quite interesting and i think that that is a lot defined by the fact that it is predefined pre-built models it makes conversions um a lot a lot more difficult or more to the point I think that it really gets the creative juices going when a person has to assemble the model anyway themselves. Like they're already starting to think, oh, I might just swap this bit with another bit. I might do a different thing here. But when you really have to go out a model and disassemble it before that you before you can convert it, before you can start to make changes, uh, it changes most people's mindset that uh, that it's yeah. no longer a really quick and easy thing that they want to implement. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um. All right then. Um, so, uh, should we move on to some tournament news? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll go quickly go through some tournament news. Um, you're not allowed to use them in most tournaments most of the time. Yeah, strictly speaking, you wouldn't necessarily be able to, Stephen. Um, but most, it depends. Like. Some people would be like, if those were your only things, if they were 3D printed and alternative sculpts for this, that, and the other, none of them from official sources, yes, people probably wouldn't be necessarily massively pro that. Um, but if you mixed a couple of those pyromancers into a unit of existing pyromancers, as a TO, the big thing for any event is, can I clearly identify what they are? And, in my opinion they are clearly identified <laughs> like there's no way i'm confusing and saying oh that looks like you know lance the guardsman now like, no come on um but yes you wouldn't be allowed to use them in in seem on official tournament stuff potentially um some of the in some cases so yeah that is something that is worth worth noting but i don't i mean carlo your stance on the gt um i know that obviously proxies and things are discouraged um but would you allow anything that you can definitely say yes 100 percent, that is that unit and it's obvious that it is um yeah the gt no we follow the simon tournament document which specifically mm -hmm. states that our model must must be based on a um a song of ice and fire simon or dark sword miniature yeah okay that's fair enough you know um and, and i think that that's where it all comes from which is uh, I, I I think weirdly enough, weirdly enough, I I would say that the Song of Ice and Fire Demon Tournament Guideline Doc is one of the most successful things they've ever put out. In that, I would say that it's one of the only things that people actually follow, like like and quite vigorously. I've Maybe, maybe, maybe again. Maybe it's warped by my view of people who run events through stats, which is where I hear about them, where I understand about them, and what they are. Practically everybody uses Swiss because they say to use Swiss. 
I've basically never found anybody who didn't score it the way that Simon score it. Um, I've never known anybody to have. We we've talked about issues with which I think that the doc has that they're not done well. Like I don't think that like resignations uh, are particularly done that well. And 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 you can talk about whether or not you think that wiping people discuss about whether or not wiping an opponent out should be a crushing victory. All these things, right? Yet, despite the fact that some people have niggles with it here or there, the community as a 99% broad stroke accepts the document as just the way events are run. I think by extension to that, people just accept that little line in the document that says models must be CMON or Dark Sword models. And, and there's very little question about that. And I've seen very, very little proxying, effectively no proxying. Mm -hmm. But I've also seen very, very little conversion even though that is not discouraged or removed from uh, from tournament play. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fair. Um, all right then. So, uh, on to the actual events themselves. Uh, we have quite a few things to get through here. So, uh, we'll just go through the Hall of Champions. It's easier uh, on the most part. Um, we have... Uh, a couple of things were mentioned. So um, we saw Scatman win Battle of the Bar Stewards with his John pairing. Strangely enough, uh, so well done there, Scatman. Uh, I know that, that was a it was a 16 player event happening in Daventry in the UK. Um, so yeah, well done, Scatters. Um, we saw Thranduil. Uh, a name that most people may know uh, or heard of, winning with his Night's Watch up at X Planet Games in the now, you know, getting back to tabletop, uh, an attempt at kind of bringing it all back together in Canada. Uh, so well done there to Thranduil. And then we saw three different regionals, and there is actually a fourth one as well. Four different regional events happen. Uh, we had Zontars win a small one in North California with Baratheon. We had Belisarius, Kurt, winning in Kansas, a nine-player event. And we have Blue Tate winning with his Baratheons in an 18-player event. Um, and that was at Source Regionals, which I believe is in Atlanta. Um, Night's Watch and Baratheon. <laughs> All weekend, Night's Watch and Baratheon, as it turns out. We'll come on to the other one in a minute. But... Yeah. Yeah. Um, Barra's... Barras have been putting out consistent stable results for a while now, you know. And yeah. um, do you know what? Do, do, do you know what's interesting? Uh, I was actually thinking about it recently myself. Um, mm -hmm. and, and and winning tournaments isn't the be all to end all of of what of what an faction is, right? Yeah. Um, but I think that it says a lot about a faction, right? Like when a faction, um, as soon as a tournament goes over a certain size, right? Like. Mm -hmm you pretty much need to have a good build to be able to win it. You know, you you are unlikely to be so much better than your opponents that you will be able to win irrespective of it. Obviously, there are there are outliers, you know. Winter is coming, going incredibly far with neutrals. Shows that even at high levels, with high-level play, you can go against the grain. Mm-hmm. 
But my own personal thoughts recently, which is where my focus has been, is I actually went through and looked. There are like only basically two people who have ever won a tournament with Greyjoys. Right? Greyjoys, and loads of people are like, Greyjoy faction rating should be higher. Greyjoys are really, really good. They're not. Greyjoys are not winning events. Like, even Lannisters and Starks win significantly more events. I think neutrals win more events than Greyjoys do. Mikael, and another name that I forget, but like I did recognize his name, are practically the only people won tournaments with Greyjoys. A lot of their... So we got... A guy in G-Lot in Finland. Aftar. Aftar. Okay, yeah, three. We call it Aftar's, three. I'm guessing he's one of the Polish group <laughs> yeah. with names like that. Uh, Mikkel. And then I, I imagine all of the other ones are typically relatively small events, which isn't to take away from those wins. But when you no. have Aberash, winner House of Orcs, I guess is the only other one um, from yeah, the Italian yeah. scene. Two, two, two is an exaggeration, of course. But like, really, you have to go really far back or you see Greyjoys winning events. Um, yeah, consistently. I, I think that, I, think that it, I, I find it very interesting, and it was uh, and it was something of a nail in the coffin for me, where I was just like, nah, I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not getting anywhere with Greyjoys at the moment. It's pretty sad. Have you thought about being better? I've heard that being better um, helps. No, to be honest, I don't. I don't. <laughs> you, you, you can't get better it, it must be Greyjoys, it can't be you <laughs> no, I do know what you mean they are, they are uh, yeah, pretty sadness uh, in terms of like results uh, so yeah, Aftar, Polish, he's up there he's a 20th ranked player at the moment um, that we've uh -huh. seen how many, how many people were at your regional cut? I don't think it was Golden Cup size, was it? we'll find out, Belisarius that looks like a silver cup to me, unless the other ones. No, yeah, I mean, I think you're a long way off a golden cup. No, he he might win U.S. nationals, right? Oh, that won't be on stats. Oh, oh well. Um, I also will apologise uh, straight away. Um, Evan pointing the out in chat there. I uh, I do apologise. The source regional was the one in Minnesota. I do apologise, and it was the Chaos Ladder, which is the Atlanta one. Um, so apologies there. Uh, that's my fault. Made a mistake. Um, but yeah, so Kurt, Kurt, you're very, very lucky to even get a silver. You're only one person above getting a bronze cup with nine people. So, Kurt, Kurt going way too big for his boots. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, yes, so you know, well done to all those players there uh, for winning US regional spots. Uh, Kurt goes down to second place, so I think, with Cyrus um, in his regional. Um, and some of them, I mean, it's good to see uh, the Minnesota, you know, we've got 18 players there at the Minnesota one. Uh, also, shout out to Scott being there as well. Uh, Scott Walter, who many of you may know Scott's name. Um, do you know who Scott is, Carlo? Or is he a YouTube? No. Too big and important for him? That's uh, that's Miniac, just uh, showing right. that he's actually still playing. Still attending events and things like that, um, even if his content isn't necessarily. So oh yeah, I recognise S Dub. That's what yeah. he appears in the uh, Discord, um, main Discord as, right? Yeah. 
The only reason I mention that is because um, we were talking about last uh, talking about him last week, um, and so it's good to see that he's still playing, um, which is fantastic. Uh, we also have yeah the chaos regional. So this hasn't been closed off yet. Um, the event is finished. They haven't. They just haven't locked it yet, uh, and the person hasn't gone to the Hall of Fame. But this was won by Red Letter Office, otherwise known as uh, or Colin Glossus, um, uh, with his Free Folk. And this is a very strange event because this is actually very Sons counter US, really, in that Baratheons didn't appear anywhere near the top. Really, you had one person going for and a draw and a loss with Baratheon. And apart from that, there really was not good Baratheon turnout, like low Baratheon numbers and generally not good Baratheon performance, right? Um, they had a relatively big 19% Free Folk entry and Free Folk had a 78% win rate across the event. Mm -hmm. And they take one, three, and four, which in yes. that size event should yep. technically, I don't know whether or not they will be, but they're the, they take three of the four qualifying spots from the regional, right? Yes, three of the four. There was only one Free Folk player outside of those four, over those three, sorry, who ended ninth, which is still in the top half of the table. Free Folk, in general, played a very strong week. How often did they play Mance? Uh, majority of time, Mance was uh, of the non-Mirror games. Um, Mance was played 11 to Steers 4, um, but... Steer, Mance, Steer, 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 Colin, the winner, run Steer most lists, um, most games. Um, Bran ran Mance, Tormund, Mance, 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 so majority Mance. And uh, Steve, Sons Mercy, ran Mance, 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 Mance. Fair enough. He ran Mance every time. But, uh, also a very interesting he's event both, where he's both lists to Mance. nobody goes undefeated. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was a, this is a very interesting event in general. This was a five round event in one day, right? Oh, wow. Yes. Oh yeah. Don't, don't, doesn't the regionals document require regionals to be one day? I, I might be. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but they, they, and they smashed it, you know, 21 players, five rounds. Um, that's a, a couple of issues to start with. Um, but uh, the reason I bring this one up is Lucas Aurelius is a name that you guys may have heard on this channel before. Um, mm -hmm. Do you know what he's popular for? Apart from playing Stark. Where's, where have you heard um, that name? I know the name very well, uh, but I can't tell you. I, I, I don't know what you're looking for. <laughs> you don't know. You still haven't found what I'm looking for, Carlo. Ah. It's this man here. <laughs> the man who, who painted up this lovely model. He actually won Best Painted. Guess what for, Carlo? For that model. For this model. So, I think we can now sufficiently say that by proxy, Carlo has won Best Painted. <laughs> I've won Best Painted already, thank you. Where, where did you win Best Painted? In what world? I've won Best Painted with multiple different armies. When? Oh, is this like in some like backwater village where no one goes to, like Liverpool? <laughs> I don't, no. I don't remember. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It's, a, it's the first time I've ever seen you win Best Painted or heard about you <laughs> winning Best Painted. So clearly, uh, clearly you uh, you uh, haven't uh, 
haven't bragged about it, which, you know, anyone who wins Best Painted should definitely brag about it. Shout out to Dan, our club, who constantly wins Best Painted stuff. Uh, but there you go. Uh, look at that trophy, by the way. That is... That's, uh, I've never won a trophy like that. I'll tell you that for sure. That's actually probably better than... I mean, no offense, Lucas. Like, I think that's better than the model. <laughs> I, I, I think that's probably better than anything in the Game of Thrones range, to be honest. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that, that trophy's sick. Um, but yeah, that was... Uh, that was that was the winner of best painted so there you go um so anyway that was uh, our little diatribe for this week yes uh lots of you know good events um and it seems like good turnout we've seen what four or five events there um eight or nine minimum up to like nearly 20 or tw over 20 players in the us so this weekend was um you know at least 50 people i think contending for spots at u.s regionals in in going to u.s nationals and mm -hmm. that's a positive thing there is a lot positive to be said about that it's fantastic for us to see finally the evidence that the u.s scene exists and is present um more than just something that kind of people say exists but never turns out for events um it is fantastic to see that um using the site as well and uh and games coming in um so i really hope that continues as well um john caspian saying you're jc in the tournament uh-huh cool flipping serious seen your name a couple of times um and man five ones it was a lot in one day but it was super fun and yes the the, the trophy was done by colin as well so uh cool that's fantastic. Hey, it's impressive impressive trophy yeah um so, after that result, we, we it's always worth looking in at it now, just because it's interesting to see, isn't it? Where it shakes the factions after everything. And it's basically no change after everything settles. Everything just kind of stays the same. Free Folk. I think Elden is... I, think, I believe Elden's currently sat in number one, actually, I think. Oh, uh, he's just... He's no. just he... No, he just, just gone under Mance. Since I last checked about an hour ago or something 0. like that. Point .011 under Mance. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we can synonymously say that Elden and Mance at the moment are the two top commanders of the game by mm -hmm. ELO. Um, I do personally believe that Mance is stronger. I do think that Mance is probably the most powerful NC, uh, commander in the game. Um, I don't see Elden continuously doing tournament results, right? Like, no. when the Baratheon faction themselves are, are, are winning, they're not Elden-based lists. Um, I think I think that he is incredibly consistent right now, and I think that he is a very powerful commander. <laughs> and I think that and I think that Battle Endurance is, is just a game-defining card, particularly for Baratheons. But I do, I do, I do, I do question, you know, whether or not Elden is necessarily the the top meta pick into tournament play for Baratheons um, and and those that are regularly winning. I'm mostly doing it with the Stannis side, which is quite interesting. I do believe though that he has a more consistent play style, a more consistent set of results, and that those who win the tournament are playing, you know, 
a higher risk strategy when they when they go in for this panic style list. But mm-hmm. you know, that's just that's just my perception currently of the faction and uh and I think I think that they're that they're in a really interesting spot and do actually have multiple viable builds, which is the best thing that we can always hope for. It is actually very funny when you look at uh, the three Brathian winners from the weekend, right? And we say this all the time, right? Um, it's great for people to win, but the size of event can matter to some to some extent as to how strong the players are. The players at the event can dictate how you know strong the event is as well. And that can all have an impact on what is strong and what is not. Local meta is local meta for a reason. Not everywhere subscribes to the same idea. We saw, you know, Colin, Red Letter Office and his area seem to be on the manse free folk train which i personally believe is more a reflection of the overall meta um but doesn't necessarily mean that it is um we see baratheons doing well we see night's watch doing well which again are not far off uh what we know as being pretty good um but then we look at the event lists and this is really funny with north Cal- north california it was renly renly uh, the two different versions. Belisarius, it was Stannis, Rightful Heir, and Paramount of the Stormlands. And Blue Tate was Axel and Rightful Heir. So we didn't see Elden in any of those combos. Mm-hmm. And we only really see the doubling up of Rightful Heir, who by no means is the most popular. OTK is by far the more popular pick that we are commonly seeing at the top end. And yeah. of all things, I'm a happy guy. Renly Lord Paramount, <laughs> getting some love. I love him. I absolutely think he's great. When did Renly, when did when did Mickey become a Renly boy? Jesus Christ! No, I hate I hate I hate Renly. I just think Renly charismatic air is fun. I think he's really interesting to play. Um, I don't give a shit about Renly in, in the real world. Just just Paramount the Stormlands. Yeah. Anyway, um. Yeah, so, I mean, that's really good to see, but no Eldons, right? Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, no Eldons. Yeah. Which, you know, if we are to go off... Uh, <laughs> Kurt saying in chat there, Renly 2 just to get his badge. Fair. <laughs> that's the way to yeah, do it. Yeah, I mean, Kurt, Kurt already has a qualifying spot, so, you know, uh, Kurt, Kurt wasn't even necessarily out there for, uh, for, for pure wins and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean... You know, from an ELO perspective, you know, if we were to give advice to somebody playing Brathians right now, uh, if they want to win games and win events and things like that, my best advice would be to take Elden as one of your two commanders. Um, you know, statistically, he should be doing well. It's odd that he's not winning events, but also winning games. Um, so, yeah. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how that plans out. Um uh <laughs> Kurt saying he loves him so much he's going to spam uh Golden Company captains. I might mm-hmm, do. Mm-hmm. Might do. You basically said you were gonna. Yeah. Why not? For the memes, yo, for the memes. Um Yeah, I mean it's good to see. It's good to see. Um other classics are up there as well. Steer seen a, a bit of a rise as well. Uh which you know, I run Steer in my second list. I think Steer is very good. Um but it is it's the meta is overall looking still relatively healthy. Um, yeah, I believe so. You know, yeah. I, uh, I we've even seen we've even seen Lannisters claw their way back up. You know, it seems seems that Kevin particularly 
seems to be having having a slow grinding positive impact upon the faction that it's slowly clawing its way up there. He is definitely giving a bit of life back to some particular builds. Uh, we talked about it, you know. I, I do think that um, predictable maneuvers is is such uh, such an influential card that actually it can even start to redefine the way Lannisters think about this building. Mm -hmm. of, it, it, it's one of the few cards out there that can actually let you get away with being out-activated um, while still having some impact on the game state um, you're out-activated. Um, and so, um, yeah, I think, I, think, I think that is uh, good to see. Um, I think it's not actually that unexpected um, based on, you know, when, when, every, when, when we saw Last of Heroes 3, everybody just, you know, pointed, pointed at Kevin and pointed at Adam and said, look, they're, they're, they're better than what's currently available, mm -hmm. uh, or at least as good as, right? Really gets it into this, brings the faction into having uh, more viable choices, really not having to lean into, say, like a Tyrion and, a Tyrion and uh, Bruce control pairing. Yep. Um, other than that, Starks. Starks have been up, down, here and there. Greyjoys, like I say, you know, like they're just not not quite what people want them to be. Even Neutral's having a bit of resurgence there at minus 42 rather than like minus 60-odd that they have been. Yeah. Um, the, the whole the whole separation is is really not as bad as it has been. Um, I think that, yeah, like in the last month, their supposed win rate has like catapulted its way up to their heady heights of 50-50, um, <laughs> which, you know, is, uh, is, is, is a monumental increase over where it previously sat. Uh, large part, they, they are so little played that you can assign that to almost two individual players, um, which is always one of the uh, one of the interesting things about neutrals. Do you think, um, you know, you talked about Greyjoy's just briefly there, saying that you found found it difficult. You're you're not. Is it fair to say not actually enjoying Greyjoy's that much? Um, in no, a lot I of don't enjoy Greyjoy's partly because. Um, but 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 partly because of the list that I run, right? Like, but like this is, but but they're a symptom of the way that I see the faction and the way I, I, I use the faction and the way I see the game. So lists play a factor into this, mm -hmm. but for me, Greyjoys have too many bad matchups. They have bad matchups against things that like aren't mm -hmm. dominant, but yeah. they're like effectively skew. They skew and they'll just completely fucking destroy you, right? And it's like I that, and and that's not enjoyable to me. I don't want to go into the game being a humongous underdog against something which like isn't even like, yeah yeah yeah. It's, it's, it's totally beatable by most factions. It's yeah. not even a good list. It's not. It's not well, like when Arthur dominated the game, and so you're like, why didn't you prepare for Arthur, right? But when just you are almost exclusively at a huge disadvantage to anybody who's incredibly panic-based, when you're at a huge disadvantage to anybody who um, who can put out like incredible spike damage, I, I think I, I just don't like. I personally do not like all of their matchups. I kept playing and I, I built the faction and I built it for like what I perceived to be strong into the game. And interestingly, I played them into a lot of what was strong in the game. 
I thought, yeah, you know what, this this faction does fine. I I could I could I, I built like these kind of like very specialist lists that can take on the top in the meta. And then I started just playing them more generically. And then I was like, oh shit, this is a really bad matchup. And then I'd be like, all right, I think I've learned that one. I've, I've done that one. And then I'd just play another one. I'd be like, no, that's a fucking terrible matchup too. No, this one's a terrible matchup. And suddenly the list of things that I'm like, they're all terrible matchups. And so there's too long a list and they're terrible for different reasons that I'm like, I don't think that I can fix the two list pairing for myself to not go into any decent sized tournament and just think, well, if I get the wrong pairing, then I lose. And I hate playing the game in that way. Like, I, I want to walk into every game and say, I have the chance to win this with skill because the matchup is at least relatively even. Yeah. Um, you don't have to be the favorite, but you, I don't want to feel under humongous pressure to make a big play to overturn what is effectively a losing situation from the outset. It, it goes and, back to the awful question, right? Is that you, yeah. you, you can go into an awful game thinking I might be able to win this. You might even hope that you can, but you don't necessarily go into the game thinking, oh, this is good. I'm just like, oh, maybe yeah. like, yeah, I'll yeah. see how it pans out. You go in and you have to think to yourself. It's game. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah, you go into it and you have to think to yourself, oh, if I can if I can just set up like this one really specific situation, yeah. then I might be able to steal a win. And yeah. that was like the best thing that you could hope for. And it normally revolved around like if I can do this before he gets XYZ cards out, then like something else can happen. Um that combined with the fact that I I don't like their deck. I just don't like their deck. I don't think that it's good myself. Um I find it very situational when it plays well it plays well like the lannister deck you know i understand why they think that certain cards are good and that people can complain about even the you know i've seen people complain about the Greyjoy deck as being really really powerful and it's like yes if every card comes off at the right time and in the right situation those situations are so rare and so timing based and so infrequent in uh, in, in well-played high-level meta like if you think about like how often a john a john ranger hunter list ever lets you begin in combat it's like well never you know because they always attack and retreat and um and so i don't like the way the faction is playing for me you know uh it's not it's not that i'm losing uh though you know i don't like losing it's that i don't like um i don't like the feeling of being too far behind when the game begins into any specific matchup i, think... I moved back to playing some of the other factions that i hey, i've been playing just Greyjoys for quite a while now uh you know good like 10 plus games in a row where i only played Greyjoys, played nothing in between didn't even really think about any other faction went back to playing another faction um that i didn't even necessarily think it is is has an amazing deck and i was just like yeah this is this this is this is a deck that i prefer this deck is just better it is more powerful um i think that it plays better i think that i'm in more control and i'm in more control of the game from the outset and that could just be that i'm not good with Greyjoys. you know i will hold my hands up and say other people do win with Greyjoys. they're not a write-off faction they're not unplayable but they're not my style and i've not been enjoying them so 
I'm gonna I'm gonna bin them off for quite a while, and I'll come back to them when uh, when I think that maybe I can just like sneak a tiny little tournament win, get 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 myself another little bronze cup somewhere, and uh, and, and and pretend and pretend that I mastered that faction and move on. So, uh, two man ran Robin uh, uh, DWG, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So I mean, yeah, it's fair. Um, I'm I'm meddling. I'm meddling between Stark and Greyjoy now, kind of like on and off as my two things to try test out a lot more. Um, mainly because there's better ELO gains in those two, uh, playing them online as well, um, and they're challenging. But um, I still have to piece together a neutral physical army as well at some point. But um, yeah, the uh, the last kind of like topic, the last thing I was going to bring up on that. Obviously, you're saying you shelved them there. Um, and it is this point where I kind of already wanted to start asking you now. Uh, you are in the run-up to a relatively important part of your uh, year life. this year. Not life. Uh, <laughs> but a relatively important part of the year for you. Obviously, um, for those of you who don't know, Carlo uh, Carlo plays Ultimate Frisbee, like I did. That's how we met um, many, many moons ago. Um, uh, when Carlo thought I was actually good at it. There you go. Uh, I thought he was good. Yeah, you did. I remember when you took me aside at uh, Durham training the first time I turned up, and uh, I ran around like a headless chicken. Before or after you threw up? This, oh, this, oh, that was way after that. I mean, I, that was way <laughs> down the line. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was uh, when I was actually fit and healthy. Um, but uh, but yeah, he's going to World Championships in the US, hence the reason he's going to be in the US. And of course, at the same trip, Gen Con, um, in the hopes of the last chance qualifier into Gen Con itself. Um he the hopes. Hopes and dreams. Hopes and dreams. Uh, pray for me. Um, so, uh, I'm not going to ask you what faction you're going to take, right? Because... The answer is I actually don't know. The answer is I was intending to play Greyjoys, and I was working on the faction religiously under the idea that I needed needed to solve them so that I didn't go there and, and embarrass myself. And I cut them about a week ago and just decided that I'm not going to be able to, like, I'm not going to be able to solve the faction in the next five weeks. Um, I, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, there, is, there is that added aspect to when I say I'm not enjoying them. You know, there was this, like, added pressure that I feel like there's an actual, it's one of the first times that there's actually, like, a time for which I'm like, I must be ready with this faction by this time. Um and uh, and 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 in the past, it as an interesting um, equivalent example. Are we are we actually having connection issues for once? No, 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 no. No, I was just my. Uh, yeah. Um, as uh, as an equivalent example, in the past, I did feel like um, I struggled when I first picked up Targaryens, right? Like. Again, Targaryens felt alien to me. Again, I thought, God, I'm never going to be good with this faction. And it took me a little while, and then I came up with a list, which nobody had really fielded before. It was a lot more comfortable in the way that I play, uh, a lot more activation control-based, a lot more powerful units and weak units uh, complementing each other. Um, and I felt very, very comfortable with that. And actually, you know, I went back to that list relatively recently. Uh, you know, a lot of people actually feel them kind of similar variants on that list these days. I've seen it come up quite a few times. Um, 
I I went back to that list and I was just reminded that like actually I by the end by by a certain amount of time I felt very comfortable with that list. Whereas with the Greyjoys, I had that same initial reaction. I was like, this doesn't feel good. This feels bad. I'm going to build a list the way I build lists. I'm going to build what I think is going to be special about them, the way I want to play them, and the way I want to control the game. And it just never clicked. It isn't clicking. It isn't getting there. And uh, and and I because there's a time point at which I want to be confident and comfortable with the faction that I play. Uh, I've had to say, no, nah, I'm not going to be ready. Like the, the click hasn't happened. Uh, if anything, when I first played them, they clicked more, and then I've like overcompensated in the wrong directions. Once I've like started to play some of the less favorable matchups, I've tried to tried to say, okay, but how do I how how, how do I like cover all these bases? And um, and and, uh, and and I don't think I can for me right now. Mm. That's fair. That's yeah. Fair. So, um, so I mean, I, I, I personally still feel uh, as the Targaryens was the last faction that I played before confidently, um, and uh, and I still feel pretty good with Targs. Um, so Targs are an easy way for me to step back into. I still personally believe that Night's Watch are criminally underutilized in how powerful that they can be. Uh, I don't have loads of experience with Night's Watch because, oddly enough, every time I've played with them, particularly I was playing, you know, back in back before season one was last time I really actively played them and, and went to a tournament. I picked them up and won straight away, and therefore put them down straight away. There was no real exploration of the faction. I felt that they were so simple back then; they were so powerful. Um, I do still think that there is. They they are one of the most criminally underexplored, underexploited factions out there. Partly because of how powerful they were in season uh, in in season twenty twenty one before season one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like there's been very little need for innovation, and I think that some innovation is starting to come along around this idea of John lists with like John and cons and stuff like that. It's much more. Um, list building with a uh, like trade-off of this versus this. I'm good at this, but I have a weakness. As opposed to like in the past, it was just like, well, I'm just best in every possible way. Like I have more activations, I have more range, I have better zone control, I have all these kind of things. Mm-hmm. Baratheons are something which I once was very comfortable with, but their new stuff I haven't had anywhere near enough experience with. I would really need to crunch the new Renly units and decide whether or not I felt that they were good to bring Baratheons. So effectively, it's it's almost definitely going to fall into one of those three. They're, they're the three that I would feel that I can re-pick up in the next... What What is, what is four weeks? Like, I've got four weeks to find a faction, find a pair of lists. Yeah. And then also find a person to lend me that army when I arrive in the US. <laughs> so there, is, yes. there is that small, that small limitation too. Like uh, I might turn around and find out that uh, I can't even can't even play that army. So I should uh, I should nail that down. But uh, yeah, I think uh, any of those three, I, I will feel way more comfortable, and I I just feel more confident. And I think the confidence going into a matchup and understanding your own deck, understanding your opponent, and how you're going to win any game. Is is very very important, and uh, I feel I feel way more comfortable using any three of those factions than I would the other five. 
you're not not thinking about playing free fit then no no i mean i've never competitively tried to play free folk uh, it just feels like the faction that you play and therefore you don't play anything else so no, no, i no. don't bother to use that faction no yeah uh, model limitations right unfortunately um and the uh lack of disposable income um but uh i say neutrals are nearly there and greyjoys are greyjoys are kind of there <laughs> um yeah no you can borrow my free folk anytime carlo remember that and uh and then when you beat me in a free folk mirror matchup consistently or uh you know you end up like dominating the free folk i can sit here and go i know jack shit <laughs> that man is just the expert in everything uh which i kind of already believe a little bit anyway so yeah. um... clearly not great choice <laughs> <laughs> get fucked <laughs> yeah. um yeah maybe maybe have you ever thought about this carlo maybe horde isn't your play style the man who I mean, was so pro activation maybe. advantage <laughs> uh, yeah yeah, yeah if, if anything my problem actually is is that i'm too pro activation and 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 don't see and sometimes just just people just put a powerful unit in my face and i'm like oh wow i didn't expect you to do that <laughs> shit <laughs> so i'm probably gonna get absolutely exposed in the u.s where people just shove powerful units in each other's faces what you're saying is gregor uh the mad dog gregor, Ma Ma Gregor mounted behemoth inside uh, flayed men, just running you down and and auto six charging because they fail their morale checks all the time, uh, eliminating you in a turn. Yeah, That's probably. Gonna, just gonna be. Probably. Would be one of my worst nightmares. <laughs> what what beat you, Gregor? That that is true. For what it's worth, anyone uh, anyone who knows Carlo's early days is only really myself or Dan. Uh, that is like full circle, circle because the thing of nightmares was watching Carlo put a Lannister uh, army on the field and then put in Gregor Clegane, the solo, uh, back in the day when he was just <laughs> basically busted. Bonkers. Bonkers. <laughs> uh, and Carlo used to run Riot and then, uh, so sure I've told this story before, the moment Carlo stopped running him, he started losing games and he was like, huh, uh, maybe that is too good. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Full circle, beaten by him. No. Oh. Anyway, um, just out of curiosity, would you think of taking Kevin and Adam potentially in Lannisters or a Lannister combo? You didn't mention Lannisters, and they are no, your no, because, because I feel uh, as 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 far as far out of practice with Baratheons as I feel Lannisters is doubly so. Like you know, like they are they are four. They are four factions back in my experience, shall we say. You know, like, it, it's been uh, an exceptionally long time since I played Lannisters um, yeah. with any regularity. Uh, so it, it's not to do with, it's, it, it's not to do with, with, with power level. Although you could say that, you know, if, if, if Greyjoy's were more powerful, then I would, I would not be having these problems with them and I would stick with them. Um, it's just my familiarity with them um, and how long ago. Also, you know, like basically nobody at our club plays Lannisters, so it's not even like I've been no. playing against Lannisters regularly. No. Um, I just haven't seen them hit the tabletop a lot outside of watching Wop play. Uh, and he, importantly, plays in a very different way to the way I play. So that's not even really like experience of watching 
somebody similar style to me and think, oh yeah, I could just like re-implement his list, tune up, practice, see what they're about. Um, now that's uh, the the launch to faction as a whole was incredibly different. The last time I played it, it was it was still very poor fellow and red cloak base. Um, yeah. So. Very fair. Um, just a quick stop by then um, and looking at unit ELOs. Uh, something I just wanted to point out with these um, is that the unit ELO spread, as is the nature of the case when the game is more balanced, the unit ELO spread is more balanced, right? Uh, House against Mountain Men at the lowest still, at, call it minus 100, um, are still... Lo and behold, the worst unit statistically in the game. Um, at six, uh, in Lannisters, uh, add all those uh, different caveats onto it. Um, and at the top end, we see Baelish at 134, um, which overall difference between top and bottom, 250. And that's being generous, 250. And that is okay. How many months has it been? Uh, about four months, three, four months of play now. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah but if, if, you, if you open a unit, then it'll tell you uh, yeah. what month uh, started getting counted. So February, um, yeah, February, February, March, April, May, four months. Yeah, February, May. Um, so overall, overall, it's nowhere near as um, what's the term I want to use? It's nowhere near as mature as obviously 2021 was when it finally ended because we haven't had that same time limit. But it is certainly not, like, this isn't fledgling data where things are changing around a hell of a lot and things are dropping up and dropping down and what have you. It's, it's the data is something we can trust. Um, Baelish, 134, coming out as effectively the standout best thing in the game. Basically. Yeah, he's uh, he's a decent step, uh, interestingly, ahead of Tycho, who used to be absolutely uh, 400, 500 miles points at one everybody. point. I, wasn't he more than that? Am I, do, am I right in thinking he was nearly at one point like pushing for a thousand ELO and the trajectory he was on? It felt like it anyway. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, okay. I always need to like say, like, people. It's not straightforward to understand unit ELO, right? Like, yep. so remember, guys, what ELO, particularly for a unit, is trying to measure is it's trying to measure what is the impact of picking that on your chance to win. And if it's positive, then it means that it's going to increase your chance of winning. And if it's negative, then it's going to mean it's going to decrease your chance of winning versus something else that you could have picked. Now, Neutral NCUs are a very interesting topic inside of that discussion because I think you need to think not necessarily is Peter the best thing in the game? Yeah. Right? What this says to me actually is it says picking Peter rather than one of your own in faction four point NCUs probably your third best NCU in a three NCU setup is one of the most influential ways to improve your win rate. Yeah. When we really think about the whole holistic way, right? Like, and, and just, and, and just, and just to meme and to quote somebody, 
This is how we separate out the variables, right? It's not saying this one specific thing is the best thing in the game because it wins. What it's saying is, is when we compare all the various different ways that lists can be put together, the various versions that they exist in, we can separate out that the one defining feature that increases your win rate is having Peter Baelish. And having Peter instead of probably your third own in faction NCU is almost exclusively one of the best things that you can do. Interestingly, also running Tycho, probably instead of Baelish, is also a relatively strong, solid choice. Yep. That is because it's near undeniable that the neutral NCUs are better than your second and third tier options within your own faction. So don't consider just how good is Peter? Oh, Peter's amazing. Think, how much better is Peter than the other choice? Yeah. And that's what it's talking about. Mm. And that's what it's measuring. Choices. And that's what it's separating out from like this huge mass of thousands of games. It's separating out what distinguishes this thing which reliably wins from the thing that doesn't reliably win. Um, and so, yeah, unit ELOs specifically are sort of saying like, versus what else you could have bought. Everything's like a cost analysis basis. Yeah. Versus what you could have had for four points, versus what you could have had for seven points in the Queen's Men category, versus what flayed men could be instead for eight points. How powerful are these things? It's one of the reasons why flayed men aren't now this massive standout number one. They're still powerful, but by comparison to Champions of the Stag, by comparison to Knights of Castle Rock, by comparison to Tully Cavaliers, they're not that much better anymore. So they're not a standout winner and a standout way to massively increase your chance of winning because they're, they're you're not. Yeah, you're yeah. not way, way more likely to win because you picked Flayed Men than if you picked Knights of Castle Rock. Should Peter cost an extra point? No, Peter should lose his once-per-game ability to choose a zone. I think that would be enough to bring him back into line, or at least most of the way. Uh, I wouldn't... I, I still... Yeah. Point cost changes are so heavy-handed, I never recommend them. Just, he has two abilities. One of them is the reason people buy him, and that's his, like, take a zone but pick a different one. That's a very good ability. It's very useful, very powerful, has actually quite important ramifications on the game. He has this secondary ability to once per game say that you control a zone, and I don't think he needs it. It's actually, it's that ability alone which enables certain things, um, ironically. Yeah. Yeah, ironically, it's, people, it's for that joy. reason that I always took him in Greyjoys, yeah. so that I can say, I have swords, so what is dead may never die doesn't come off. Yeah, exactly, and and that ironically probably is not the most powerful use of him, and yet it probably is one of the best uses within Greyjoy. Um, yeah, other factions can do it for for horses, for example, in Targ, or um, swords in Stark, or what we've also got letters or crowns in um, Baratheons, and crowns obviously in Lannisters. Um, Night's Watch don't give a shit, but they just use a replacement. Um, uh, Freefoot can't take them, and 
neutrals take them because he's four points and you can't afford anything else. Um, he also just like has really useful effects into the meta. Um, if you consider that Endless Horde is such a such a scourge of the early game, being yeah. able to take that horses but not being defined like not being hamstrung into must use the horses. There are also some factions that are incredibly reliant on other zones and almost none so much on like the you must stop that zone as um as endless horde currently is i would say the the biggest one definitely yeah it's 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 the most obvious impactful effect uh but you know lannisters have ways to build around constantly having crowns but if they haven't done that then you might as well block crowns it can be very very impactful especially if they're running um red cloaks hey Um, or for lannisters money bags actually surprisingly i think money bags is a much underwhelming or underappreciated zone in uh, in Lannister. Um, there are a number of factions who money bags are very important. Interestingly, it's not always owning money bags, which is so important to them, but actually they are really hard in on the healing and the token removal yeah. of the money bag zone because they don't have any native healing and token removal. So they become really, really dependent on the zone. And so blocking the money bags while still being able to like force through an attack or or, or take a, a, a an impactful maneuver or something like that even taking money bags but using it to take letters right early on in the game so that you basically say i'm going to give you a token and that token can't come off because you don't have money bags it can't be taken um can really really impact some factions that don't have native token control don't have native token removal um and so, yeah, like he has a whole range of effects into the meta, mm-hmm. which I think that um, they further add on to like his his usefulness beyond his overt power. But yeah. like I say, I think that his secondary ability would be where I would go to to tone him down to make him more um, acceptable. Yeah, um, yeah, minor tweaks, isn't it? Again, minor tweaks. Um, I'm not gonna massively discuss the rest or don't intend to massively discuss the rest with queen's men champions of the stag we talk about baratheon doing very well it's actually a, a non-elden side unit that is clearly a, a, an outlier there um they're not too powerful i don't think we're rules queen men are too powerful they have obvious weaknesses that you can work around but they are which i think is the most important thing they are pretty much outside of champions of the stag the grindiest unit in the game they Mm. will basically win a grind with borderline everything else in the game um and they have and they have phenomenal synergies going on it is really what they have now yeah um card recursion man card recursion getting cards back yeah hugely valuable uh that just i mean i i've been talking about it recently i don't i view the game now less of a war game than i used to and everyone knows here i didn't really view it as much of a war game anyway when it was objective control um i actually think fighting is more prominent now but i view the game as a resource management game now more so than a war game in that how do your resources align with your opponent's resources and how can you make sure that you use your resources better than they're using theirs because if you use your your resources better than them your chances are you will win and that's because you're probably playing six rounds. 
So knowing how can I get the most value out of these six rounds, or can I not, and do I need to end the game faster than that, and thus do I need to spend resources heavily to gain advantages and push my opponent away from the game because they don't have the resource income to out out tempo me or do i need to outvalue them across the game um and queen's men the whole point of this discussion queen's men coming into it say mm -hmm. i simply have more resources now yeah <laughs> and that's that's a really good thing champions of stag yeah. again they simply say my my base stats my resources of my base stats are simply so good that it's just hard for you to manage that unless you have the tools um yeah yeah uh i think uh yeah no, none of this is a surprise you know um watch captains ranger hunters but uh watch captain ranger hunters almost inseparable like yeah. it, it, watch camp watch captain ranger hunters what yeah. goes better than peanut butter and jelly like yeah uh, although you know watch captains do find place in other units um you know i do think that swarm brother swarm brother watch captains still very dangerous unit at 10 points uh, a bit more viable in terms of its um consistency and its anti-armor and its um and, and, and its staying power um for the sheer explosiveness the sheer damage potential out of a 10 point watch captain ranger hunter unit in a john list specifically is uh, that is that is that that's a lot that's yeah. a lot I, I mean i've seen it happen right where you john you how you get for the watch out and you go right i'll charge off horses i'll charge this unit i'll quick fire off this like retreat quick fire off and actually shoot a different unit entirely and then they uh you know you can't necessarily swords because you don't have a swords option and you really need to heal one of your two options or desperately do something you might weaken them or heal or something and then they're like right and now our swords and do this uh, and they shoot one of your units and, and all of a sudden they haven't even activated yet they've still got relentless to go and yeah. they have killed nearly three units and you're like what the fuck <laughs> um, i think um i i think i think I think that the unit is still quite meta-defining in a way, and what I mean by that is that I still think that uh, although they're not dom they're not dominating tournaments in the way that awful crossbows were at all. They weren't just like you could build the best possible counters that you can. You can prepare as much as possible for awful uh, crossbows, but awful crossbows will still win. Sadness. Ranger, John Ranger Hunters now, um, they're a much, much um, more technical tool. I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying like high skill or anything, right? Like they just have so many more moving parts and they need to put themselves in danger to actually really do their explosive damage. Mm -hmm. There is a lot more interaction going on. You at least are forced to make a melee attack at times, which can allow some people to like trigger certain effects and abilities, which continuous ranged attacks never allowed. Right? Like if you can just blow your opponent up entirely with ranged attacks, never have to trigger a melee attack, then that's whole swathes for some people's decks that just don't work. Um, the point is, is that they are still powerful enough that they are defining the way a lot of other people build their lists. I think that they are the reason why traps have become so prevalent, yes. they and a few other things. 100%. Why people, why people are leaning into units like Champions of the Stag, because the only thing that they're not good against is really, really good armor saves. Um, 
and also something like Champions of the Stag are like, well, I don't have a major amazing charge range. And what the range hunters need to do is they need to get reasonably up close and personal. They might be able to do really tricky maneuvers and maneuver around you, but that cav move is going to get you out of it with those champions of the stag and get you back engaged. But it's not going to catch a long range unit. It's not going to do those kind of things. So um, I think that they are very still impactful in the meta. Yes. And. I can actually say... they're not doing as well as they possibly theoretically could be is because so many people are list building against maybe not necessarily exactly them, but lists and units that are, are playing into a very similar style. You might as well group them with Dothraki veterans, do almost exactly the same thing, have the same weaknesses, have they do they take loads of actions at the same time still very susceptible to traps still have to get up ranged up close and personal have to make melee attacks to get the most out of them um are weak to order blocking are weak to um it being very predictable when you're going to do an attack weak to charge blocking things like that and so i think that there are a whole range of things in the game which are being built to counter that style, and that's the only reason why Night's Watch aren't dominant these days, um, yeah. is because now their current most dominant thing can at least be countered. And then, you know, like you said before, and I can tell you very much from my own list building thoughts, that when I think about list building, I essentially go, my first question, how does this list pair beat John Hunter's? And if mm -hmm. it doesn't have that answer to a question, I don't play that list pair. Simple as that. I don't play it because it's not a correct list pair. Um, I free focus but, a different so, answer, but yeah. So, so D1, for, for, it was interesting that the, I built Greyjoys on this concept of whether or not I could build this list, which can build it, can beat it, and that's how I ended up with that the slightly ludicrous triple archer, um, triple, triple archer, trapper. double trapper. You're on silenced men list, yep. uh, which you know is is extreme. Um, and part of the answer was that I didn't even like what I ended up with, as in, like, I still ended up with a not that favorable matchup into the most extreme Night's Watch equivalent, which is also nine activations. Um, but what I was looking for was I was looking to trade many, many archer shots to chip damage into the Ranger Hunters. Um, I think that's really frustrating about fighting Ranger Hunters, Watch Captain Ranger Hunters specifically, um, is Watch Captain Ranger Hunters with five models have the potential to still one-shot like everything in the game, right? Because they just, they're like, oh, I still have full rank. And I also have Sword in the Darkness, so I'm actually rolling eight dice, and I actually make two actions for every act. Uh, I, can, I can like double down on my activation. I can do an eight dice and then a seven dice straight afterwards. And it's just like you can't quite play cheap unit chip into that because uh, because they just remove a cheap unit a turn, and and you think that you're getting good value by chipping and chipping and chipping, and you're chipping them down to halfway, and then you're like, I haven't actually done anything. Like they're still at maximum efficiency um so um well it's... yeah no no no. And, and d1 but yeah like i was saying so i actually built it's like i say i started Greyjoys at this very high level of can i beat 
can I beat John Hunters and can I beat Mant um, Free Folk? And I built these very extreme lists and I had limited but okay success with that. And then I tried to play the same lists into the rest of everybody else and realized I'd gone so extreme, so far to one end of skew that I just had terrible matchups into normal games. I have to, and I have to admit, like when I when I played against Carlo, when Carlo beat me actually, um, like I straight up said to him after the game at the time, like I actually didn't think his Euron list was even that good into that matchup, which is one of the ones he'd specifically designed it for. Um, it wasn't bad, like it was certainly not. <laughs> it wasn't along the bad lines, but it wasn't the best. Um, I certainly didn't worry when I put I, he put it on the table. Um, and that's worrying when you're designing a counter list and it doesn't do that to your opponent. You you want to say, this is a direct counter to what you're running. You yeah. should fear this. And then someone looks at it and goes, ah, I don't really, though. Um, but yeah, that's... Uh, back to Greyjoys there, briefly. But yes, um, I... Let's build with things. And it's actually very interesting when you talk about Night's Watch. The one the one thing that Night's Watch really sucks to, kind of, uh, John has a little bit of mitigation for it. Um, and Greyjoy's again suffered to it. Out of activation damage. Um, leaving units. I mean, out of activation damage is very good. Damaging units on your opponent's turn is incredibly powerful. Because mm -hmm. it leaves them with no ability going into your turn to do anything to stop you from killing them. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, if you can half kill a unit, half, half, half's an extreme situation, but even like, if you can half kill a unit during your opponent's turn, then the ability for you to now pounce on that unit before it can get away, before your opponent can heal, before your opponent can take a zone, before your opponent can play any starter-friendly turn triggers are all very, very powerful. Yeah. And that comes back to why Tycho is still a pretty good choice exactly where i was going with that and it's also by the way where all the defensive tech which people think is like the defensive tech in the game is good but the problem with the defensive tech in the game is that if you can avoid it a good player will do everything that they possibly can to avoid it because because that is their downfall. If yes, if you run into a unit with Counter-Strike and you're hitting on fives and you're running over a bog and you half kill your own unit with your own attack, yeah, you're fucking lost. <laughs> like, so you don't do that. That's a bad decision. Whereas, um, you know, Overgrowth, very good example. Something that was carrying mm -hmm. Loras, for example. Um, just here's some damage for doing what you want to do at ranged or at, uh, in melee. And it's like, that's really annoying. Because that's how Baratheons can then take make a hole to take advantage of. Um, or does Night's Watch play into traps? That's a good question. Um, I haven't thought about it massively on the other side of it. I haven't tried to think about how I would beat my list um, as much. Because I actually still think, here's the funny thing, I think a very trap-heavy list. Hmm? Crossbowman? Crossbowman is a potential issue, although I don't think they're good enough. Uh, I actually think a very trap-heavy list, ironically. Um, you still run the John. Like, that's how good the John matchup is into so many things, that I think yeah. even into dedicated counters, I still think the John list is good enough that it can beat it. Um, I agree. 
personally. I agree. I, I don't think that's a bad matchup for John. I think I think it brings it more in line with a 50-50. Uh, and I, I think, think John's only bad matchup is uh, is a wall of armor. John, John Ranger Hunters. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's where you can tech in the Swarm Brothers in your second list and go lol. Because um, mm-hmm. they will rinse through anything with armor uh, at a rapid pace. Um, so... There we go. Anyway, uh, bottom end, uh, we still see, you know, we talked about briefly about, I'm not going to spend more time talking about Mountain's Men, um, but it is actually very interesting that that whole discussion we just had, and you look at some of the worst units in the game, Veterans of the Watch, Bloody Mama Skirmishers, um, House even House Bottom Blackguards, defensive units with technology that you can work around. You know, just don't attack them in melee. You don't give a yeah. shit about Bloody Mamas then. Because they don't do fuck all, um, uh, and, and and I agree with Paul actually. Um, the the out of activation damage, particularly on a card like lash out, the sheer fear that it could have and it could happen can be incredibly impactful. Um, it can it can really paralyze people from making like almost any powerful attack if they think that you're going to go end up on one rank. If four damage back, four auto wounds back could be like a, a death knell to the to the unit for doing it. Um it can be it can be a really, really impactful card. Yeah, I, I would put Lash out as like absolute top tier. Like if 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 I can find a commander with Lash out, then I'm already thinking this is one of the best choices this faction can make. Um, and on on the same topic, final strike. No no. Final uh, strike, yeah. Very you know enough enough to final strike's enough to bait out a barry block. In the, in the potential hope that it doesn't come out or that you get cancelled. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So um, that is kind of where we sat there. Uh, it is actually interesting to see um, and counter to what I thought potentially initially. Um, then it kind of came fruition. Fruition. The Baratheon High Garden units, the Riders and the Pikemen. Uh, kind of in freefall. Um, they are mm. not doing well. Um, I I do actually think the pikemen are better than this. The riders, I can see the problem being that they're, they're, they're not activation heavy enough. Therefore, the riders never get to do what they want to do. And then they get themselves in a position where they haven't charged. They get countercharged. And then they get fucking blown up. <laughs> um, and that's a list building issue that Baratheons have where going shorter is generally better in Baratheon rather than longer. Um, the Pikeman probably suffering the same thing, but I personally do think that the Pikeman is, is all right. What's actually super interesting is the Master Warden, with his very strong start to the season, has now dropped down. Mm. Um, as a one-point attachment, he's just not actually that good, which is really odd because he initially started the season as one of the best components. In terms of one yeah. point attachments, yeah, it's interesting. I hadn't really been looking into into the barrows. I I wonder whether or not there has been a strong shift in in list building mentality to like you know that that like people are playing much less engage based, um, be it for various different reasons. <laughs> <Hold right>. um, <laughs> for example, yeah, yeah, same. It is. It's. It's almost like these good things. It's actually the funny thing. If something's good and it's avoidable, and it becomes too good, 
yeah it nerfs itself people adapt yeah. as, as one said yeah it it ceases yeah. to become relevant or at least yeah you, you know the, the 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 meta the meta adapt but it doesn't stop that ability from being incredibly powerful uh, particularly for anybody who against anybody who hasn't adapted or against anybody who hasn't seen it for ages like it's very easy to get caught out by those abilities if like you're like you discount them because you forget that they re that the reason why the meta is in the place that it's in is because those abilities were so powerful that you had to build lists that would avoid them entirely and then your opponent has one of them and you just forget that that it's like such an influential ability because it's been a long time since you got absolutely slapped around by it <laughs> i uh, i find i find that uh, that that can be that can be quite um quite telling um at least in my own games sometimes i'm like god i forgot that that like this unit is totally avoidable and the reason why i normally avoid it is because it's unit it's its strengths are strong yeah but the thing is is i can avoid all those strengths if i remember just how strong that unit is when you when you you make a series of early decisions and don't register yeah. those impacts of those decisions and then you end up that you're like oh shit i'm now yeah. doing the thing yeah. that i didn't want to do it can be as, my only as, to victory. as early and as simple as your deployment like yes. it, it can be right you know if you just haven't recognized in deployment like oh like that unit cannot go against that unit because i just like that one ability that disrupt or, or that counter strike or that hold the line or whatever would just completely completely ruin me if these two units get engaged um and 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 it's until you get quite close and then you're like oh what does what does that unit do again and they like show you the card and you're like oh no i've made a terrible mistake like <laughs> I, I can't i can't charge you like i will lose uh but but like when i put the unit down my full intention was like i'm a better unit than you like like you, yours is kind of crap. Nobody feels it. I don't remember why people don't feel it, but like it's not very good. People don't use it. Mine's a good unit. I'll win this fight. And then you get close to actually engaging, and you're like, I remember why people don't like this matchup. <laughs> I love, I love how uh, <laughs> that that really was at the moment where we should have had the meme. Uh, it was at this moment he knew he <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I no, made it, a terrible mistake. <laughs> it is a big thing. Actually, it goes back to a fundamental thing, which I do believe is still the best advice to anybody if they're walking to get better, right? Uh, certainly for tournament play. Go away and learn. If you have the capability to learn everything in the game, learn everything in the game. Because then you don't get these surprises where you're like, oh, that unit has disrupt? Fuck. Um, yeah. You can get by with learning what you think you're going to encounter. Uh, and then that random list you might come along and you have this moment that Carlo sometimes has before he goes into a game. And he's like, what the fuck do any of these units do? So he spends five minutes reading through the opponent's list to remind himself. And then he comes away and goes, all right, I know how to beat that now. Uh, yeah. Because he's identified no, no, those things. Normally they're trash. If I've never seen them before, it's normally trash. You just yeah. have to remind yourself why it's trash. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, as, as Carlo would sometimes put it, and you know myself, I just don't do this. As long as I just don't do this, I'll win. Uh, and you have to remind yourself what that don't do is sometimes. Um, but yeah, knowledge is power. Use it well. Um, yeah. Anyway, should we go to some events and look at what's running? Yeah. Hey, look. Australia have got an event. Oh, nice. It's been there for a while. And Sydney again, as per usual. 
and randomly Thailand had a load of events this weekend. Uh, they did. They, yeah. they, they had those four groups, right? That, yeah. That four, they had those four Swiss draw. I, I don't. I, I don't know if they're now going to go into the finals. I believe on like so. Day or... Yeah, I believe so. Um... Oh wow, that's, <laughs> that's a great. That's, that's massive. A picture of Jesus. It's <laughs> a massive you picture. Of uh, cool. <laughs> I mean, these haven't been locked yet, so they haven't actually been finished up yet. Um, and they're all playing into the next one. But just thought I'd check in on one of them. I really hope those go well. Once we see the uh, the finals of that, we might have to do a bit of a deeper dive into that one. Um, but yes, uh, oh, we'd have a look at it. Lockerbie's, uh clock event. Um, let's have a little look at what the stats are in terms of faction breakdowns were. And look at that pretty little circle there. That is a fairly good spread of faction rip neutral. Ah, they're not faction. Yeah. Who cares? I was say, no, no neutral, unfortunately, but. Uh... Yeah, I think uh, I th I th that that's healthy. That's health he he healthy spread. Um, not got uh, a healthy spread of results just yet. Just the uh, one hundred percent win rate for Targs. Who, who's who's played the uh, game? N that's NSB. That's NSB beating Ariakas, which yep. is uh, a big play. Uh, what did Ariakas use? Did he use his Eddard or did he use his Howland? Uh, he used his Eddard. Okay, yeah, I, I really do rate Eddard at the moment. He was one of those. He was he was one of those commanders who's not dominating the game, but was just another thing where I was like, Greyjoys don't like this matchup. Um, or I don't like this matchup with with these lists. He's um, another another trap commander, right? In that if you forget what he does, forget how yeah. he does it, and you don't have the solution, he just. <laughs> Eddard comes in like a fucking furious fist and just fucks you in the ass. And you go, oh, well, Eddard's honor guard just killed my entire army. That was fun. Because <laughs> um, he does do that. Eddard, Eddard yeah. does kill a lot of things. But I think I think, I think think this uh, event will be interesting. You know, it, it's being run with clocks. Uh, you yeah. know, after all that discussion about clocks, it was thrown together relatively quickly, but a good 18-player entry. Um, and um, I, 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 think, I think that it's... I hope that... Clocks effectively become the norm for TTS myself. Not, not because clock play, therefore tournaments are you know higher level, higher whatever. I think that interestingly, if we can normalize clocks, then we can make TTS tournaments more accessible, time-wise for people. And Scheduling a two-hour game when you know it's only going to be two hours is way, way easier than if you think, well, I'm going to have to, like, I'm going to have to book out a four-hour slot in my life because the game could last that long. I also, um, for what it's worth, I also believe that if clocked events are going to come back, then I would have more inclination to put two hours aside to do streaming of them. Um, exactly. Yeah, I, would I think... Be more I think right. You know. really help the growth, regrowth, the regrowth of the TTS streaming community, regrowth of interest in the competitive side of the game, uh, just because of the speed at which people play makes it way, way uh, easier for people to watch on a casual level. Yeah. Obviously, I think that there is some trepidation around clocks for some people, and uh, and so I think I think that that is not wildly different to the trepidation that some people have around the whole idea of even using stats, for example, right? Yeah. Like, but I think that once you can normalize it, once you can remove people's 
fears that it that 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 it's some intense thing and it has to be some super high level play before you ever in, in, introduce it. And if you can introduce it at the earliest possible reasonable time, you know, I'm not saying beginners have to begin playing under a clock, um, but as soon as a person can make choices, you just put them under some pressure to just make the first choice that comes to their mind and then think about later whether or not it was right rather than trying to think through every choice. Then I think I, th- I think that the game can progress and move forward in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, then. Uh, let's actually dive into to dive into the events after we uh, got madly, uh, madly deeply distracted. So... Um, where are we? We are on this weekend uh, an event in Poland. Oh, I didn't ask you. That's that's happening tomorrow. Do you remember that one's happening tomorrow? We said we mentioned it. Uh, it's an event in Poland. It's happening tomorrow. Poland should have been weak. They've only been doing like one gate, one event a week recently, not like seventeen. So Let, letting us down. Yeah. Um. So we've got uh, that one happening in Wrocław, Poland. We've got an event happening at a local league happening in Granville. Uh, Granville in France. Um, awesome. Another event on Wednesday, an evening tournament in Warsaw, uh, Poland. Good men. Um, what looks like to be the second Tornio Gras del Puente uh, in Barcelona uh, at Goblin Trader uh, in Barcelona, Spain. Um, an event happening in Namur, Belgium. That's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know the Belgian players are have been using the site that we have belgian users uh but we don't see belgian events very often so that's really good to see um uh, that's that's a positive thing happening on saturday um another event in poland god they really have pulled the stops out this week um yeah. a small event happening in pontypool at dukes gaming this weekend uh, in the uk we've got another qualifier happening on saturday in rochester uh new york um so that's another one there we have another event in france in Montbrisson, small event there. Um, uh, House of Orcs Volume Five. Uh, the Italian players are back from the House of Orcs. Uh, Jasper and the crew on Sunday this week in Italy. Uh, an event happening in Spain, Santander. Um, a local event testing session. I have no o- event with no with no location. Yeah, no location. Um, mm, sus. Sus. But it might just be a local event where they they just. Not for international silence or anything like that. They're just doing to see how it works. Um, uh, an event happening in... about whether or not Mickey's ever going to do a video on how to use the site. That's that's one of those pending videos. Uh, <laughs> pending my... Uh... <laughs> pending you getting off your ass. Orcs. Um, we've got... Uh... Summer is coming also this weekend. That's uh, Gamers Castle in Greece, which I'm guessing. It's, well, it's in nice. Cyrillic, Greek, Greek Cyrillic, however we call it. Um, but yeah. Uh, and then there's also Gdansk, Poland. I was Maybe I wasn't joking. Four or five events make it up for a, <laughs> the mad number that they haven't got. And we've also got um, the TTS Championship thing that they're running uh, for a month this is a, a small round robin event if i remember rightly in france um uh and that's starting up this weekend and that's it so jesus christ let's disclude that last one the tts event but physical events one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven 
12, 13 events happening between now and next Monday. 13 events! That's, and like half it, of them it, are Polish. It's awesome. It's, it's awesome. Uh, it's awesome for the site and also for the, awesome for the community in general. It, it's to the point where it's like hard for us to even talk about the results anymore. There's so many yeah. of them. You know, we're we're here. We're here back at a classic three hours, uh, three hour video. And uh, you know, all we managed to do was touch on like kind of like general trends of like three Baratheon winners. Uh, good to see that there's another regionals. Um, I mean, we must be down to, I, I mean, I believe we're five weeks away from Gen Con, maybe, maybe six or seven, I forget. Like, it's about four or five weeks till I go to the US, but that'll be a while. Mm. Um, I'm not sure how many more regionals there will be. Uh, I don't know. Um, I think there's still a couple I, I can't really. I can't really think that there are many people who, like, you know, are still organizing them at this point, right? Like, uh, yeah. presumably they've all been announced somewhat. Um, I, I I think that uh, that that post that we talked about earlier, where they basically said you can still you can still get a regional, is, is coming a little bit late. Uh, but tell you what's crazy, I mean, at this point last year, U.S. nationals hadn't even been announced. So you know, like them them still having the capacity to run a regionals at it's this a, point is 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 a major step forward. Uh, so yeah, that's it's a real it's a it's a positive thing, right? Um... Yeah. It's certainly moving in the right direction. Um, the uh, I've just had a message as well. We didn't didn't mention it, but the Ita the American Invitational TTS event did actually finish up uh, over the oh, week. Yeah. Break the meta's due to finish, I believe, this week. Uh, but Stovetop, Stephen, uh, and Richard uh, and Line both do very well. And Lucas Rolius, there you go, coming in third with the Starks. Another uh, consistent, decent performance. No online um, TTS event. Why? Why did they not at least run a fifth? Um... Come on, Steve, Steven, Steven, you need to play N-Line. N-Line, you need to play, you need to play Steve Top. Yeah. Come on. There can only be one. There can only be one. Just do that, yeah. Uh, one round only uh, event. Someone talk to uh, whoever the boss man is. Cyrus, I think, ran that event. Um, yeah, so do definitely do that. Um, if you can, if not, play it friendly and tell us the winner, and then we'll, Carlo will uh, take manually take the cup off stovetop if n-line wins can you do that carlo is that a thing as an admin i mean i can i do sometimes do it hang on hang on hang on <laughs> sometimes <laughs> yeah, no, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes people uh, submit tournaments wrong and the wrong person gets given the cup and then the only way to undo that is manually. So I do sometimes manually undo somebody's cup, which they shouldn't have been given, just so that I can make sure that it's given to the right person. Sure. All hail, Carlo, the dictator of cups. Yeah. <laughs> um, you pray, yeah. pray hard enough, then you can keep your cups. <laughs> um, cool. Fantastic. Anyway, thank you very much for everyone tuning in this guy uh, this week, guys. Um, Golden Company suck, but maybe Swordsman yeah. are okay. Uh, don't run off as a spam unless you want a meme. And uh, and enjoy events that you may or may not be attending this week. Um, any last car comments from yourself, Carlo? No, just just Paul. No, Mickey hasn't finished the intro yet. Um, keep bringing those subs in. He's definitely going to do it by the time we get to 1,000. We got about a third of the way between the 950 and the 1,000 in the last week. So he's got about two more weeks at the current rate. But if you suddenly flood it, then he'll have to. He'll have to make it. 
yeah, so subscribe to Zombies and Fire Dash Stats Online here on YouTube or on YouTube if you're listening to the podcast. Um, and you'll force me to make a new video intro. Uh, I say make, it's actually kind of made. It just isn't finished. <laughs> um, so uh, that'll be a thing. Um, try not to do it this week because I've got a load of shit at work I need to do this week. Please, please. Um, next week. Next week's fine. Uh we are say we've got a couple more weeks left of Carlo. Um, we are gearing up for all of that um, and other things that will be coming soon. Um, if you are interested, sign up for Patreon. It's on the site, obviously, um, and uh, and get all the kind of awesome goodies, which is mainly just talking to Carlo and taking the piss out of him on a 24-7 basis in public areas rather than in a private message where you just like send him a message and say, by the way. I have to say the Patreon chat recently has gotten a lot more a lot more people asking me to fix the site <laughs> it used to be a lot more just trolling me and these days people want real things like better ux buttons to be in different places they want they want me to change the wording of, of different things which is honestly uh you know which is great i actually really am glad when people want to interact with the site and want to want to help uh Help give ideas about what will improve it for for the users, um, but uh, but 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 the memeing needs to come back. The, the the meme lord himself, Weasel Weasel Kingdom, still on a still on a bit of a hiatus, still a bit away from the game. So hopefully hopefully he'll uh, he'll lead the charge back into into memesville uh, for for all for, to any Discord near you sometime soon. Definitely. Um. All right, then, guys. Well, thank you very much for joining us this week. Um, we will catch you again next week where we'll probably have some news to talk about that will probably come out just after this video ends or tomorrow morning. Uh, you know, classic. Um, and between now and then, guys, have a great week. Enjoy any events you're at. See you later. Ready, aim, release!